0: You do have a dick, don't you? Yes. Okay. Dick lines up straight like that, right? To the right of it and to the left of it are pockets, right? In those pockets are money. Look in either one of them. Pay the bill. Grab that menu off that window for me, right? Get it in, it's unlocked. <laughs> Just throw that in the
1: glove box. This car is not from the motor pool. No, it's is. not. Sexy though, isn't it? So where's the office back at Division?
0: are in the office, baby.
2: are back welcome everybody to the film effect podcast where we take all things film to the full effect i'm ed and with me at this time is my cinematic life mate and partner in crime sean good morning film effect And if you're a fellow cinephile like us or even a casual fan of movies in general, then you're at the absolute right place. We're a weekly podcast that does deep dives and touches lives on a weekly basis, focusing on a particular film each episode in an effort to give it that full film effect treatment. But before we get our shit pushed in, I want to let you guys know (laughs) that our ever-going collection of previous episodes can be found on our website at podpage.com slash the film effect podcast as well as all major platforms, direct link in the episode notes. And speaking of platforms, you can help us out tremendously by using Apple Podcasts to leave us an honest rating and review when the show is over because it helps us out in so many ways, and we just genuinely love hearing from everybody. All right, gang. Keeping up with all the updates and episode drops on the following socials. Sean, you ready? Yeah. All right. Can you let the people of the world know where to find us on both Facebook and Instagram? That's uh, going to be the Film Effect Podcast, gang. All right. And how about our never ending party over at Twitter? Where can the Twitties find us over there? Uh, Twitties want to tweet us at Film Effect Pod. And definitely no shame in your game if your way of communicating is via email. Speaking of, what's the address for the curious parties?
3: Nah, you want to lick that digital stamp, slap it on your invisible envelope, and mail that out to the Film Effect Podcast at gmail.com.
2: All right. So Halloween is over mm. and Thanksgiving is on the horizon. Real mm. quick though, where's my copy of Possession? I was watching Justin. Uh, I was, Justin I was remember? Watching, okay, I, I wasn't sure if you gave it to him or if he had it. <clears throat> no, I, it I had.
3: I had to remind him, but we had all come to that agreement. When you were on the thread, you and I were going back and forth, and I was like, "This movie's bug nuts." He's well, always been curious," and you're like, "We'll just pick it up at Sean's next time we record." Yeah, he walked out. Of, he he walked out of here like it was fucking Christmas. He gave us gifts. He walked out. He had my copy of I Solo. Know. You know, yeah. he, he grabbed some off of me. But yeah, he took my Criterion set of Solo and your and your copy possession. I'm like, dude, you're gonna do a one two punch, man. That's gonna make for an, that's gonna make for a very uncomfortable evening. But imagine watching M2 back to back.
2: No, no. Yeah, right. I mean, you, you wouldn't come out the same. It, it, <laughs> you wouldn't just, it, it would fuck you up permanently.
3: I mean, you might you might as well just top it off with the cherry on the on the sprinkles the, and, and wrap the night up with a Serbian film at that point, man. that'll That's just a fuck you up triple feature right there. Right. Anybody who can stomach those three films back to back to back in one sitting, I could do it. Ed refuses to, but I dare you, gang. If you do it, send us proof, man. I want to see yeah. that stuff. I'm, I'm good with that. Y'all
2: have fun with that one? <laughs> I'll make it worth your while. I'll get you something. <laughs> um, so, The Eternals came out today. Where were you at on that?
3: Um, I've, n- I've not been the least been intrigued. And then I had been reading. I honestly oh, yeah. thought it released already because it was like scraping the bottom of the barrel and Rotten Tomatoes. Like I heard it was just like getting snooze reviews and shit. I don't know, man. I know nothing about those fucking characters. I think Marvel, you know, may have its. well, Thor Two is you know, pretty fucking. Bad. Thor Two
2: made a lot of money. I think. Yeah, I'm not saying it's gonna make. Money. It's going I'm just saying.
3: Yeah, I'm just saying. Story wise, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going out of my way, dude. This is going to be a Disney Plus premiere for me, man.
2: Not intrigued.
3: Well, know nothing about them. You know, yeah, I get it. I've... They're starting a new phase.
2: Well, I'm going to yeah. get into it. I'm going to see the film eventually. Um, mm. I'm not sure if I'm going to see it in a theater with my movie passers wait like you to Disney Plus. Either way, I'm going to yeah. see it. I mean, you're, it, all,
3: but... you're all caught up. You've seen everything, all their output, right?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Shang-Chi and all that that's right. Um, yeah.
3: The only thing I haven't seen is what if the you know the TV the animated series. Everything else.
2: Well, I wrong. haven't. Well, I haven't watched the shows. I haven't watched. Oh the, really? Loki. Yeah. No.
3: Wandavision and Loki are really good.
2: Wandavision, Captain, and uh, the Falcon and. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah. All three.
3: All three of those are really good.
2: Okay, I'll I'll to that. To it all. Just, I've been in no rush. I'm kind of like after the End Game. I was kind of like petered out on all things comic book related, especially Marvel. Yeah. You know, but um, I did read. You know, spoilers, I don't care. I was I was curious what the post credit scenes were gonna be for this one. Oh my, oh my gang, there might be a reason to see this film after all, and that's just for that post-credit scene. If
1: people right, who have I'm seen have to the film or
2: heard about it. I think they you know what I'm talking about. I'm not gonna reveal, you know, I'm not gonna be that guy. But um let's just say I let out a very audible Holy Shit when I read that. So uh yeah, other than that. I'm in no rush I'll eventually see it I know like every film I've seen in the last month or two at the theater has been they've had a preview for this at least once and um, yeah I, it, I just it never it hasn't wowed me but <clears throat> we'll see I mean I, I've given everything Marvel a shot so we'll, we'll see I mean and they've done this before where they've released a film with a, a characters in a franchise that people aren't you know related to I mean, I see, uh, I'm the same way but
3: Shang-Chi I don't know much about that dude I'm oh,
2: I didn't not know I'm, about him either. Me and Foy I'm went, not so rushing.
3: Out. It's just not it, again. It's nothing that really you know tickles my fancy with those those characters or storylines. I mean, yeah, I'm gonna I'll watch him, but I'm not I'm not getting out of my way. You know, I'm not dropping a nickel. Uh,
2: um, yeah, and then Halloween, yeah, uh, Halloween. Um, and then um, Boondock scenes Three is announced and. You and I talked about this briefly the other night. at uh, yeah, Troy Duffy. What's up, man? I mean, he hasn't really done anything outside of these movies, has he?
3: That's all he's ever done, man. Um, the guys, uh, I'm sorry, I hate to say it. Uh, I, I, I'm a big fan of the first film. Seen it multiple times. Uh, watched the second yeah. film. That one time you brought it over, you had a bootleg. You had an advanced copy of it. Um. And the, uh, the guy's a one-trick pony going back to the fucking well. He's a, he's, he, he's a 50-some-odd-year-old bartender who's riding the coattails of Connor and Murphy McManus, a couple of characters he created almost 30 fucking years ago because I don't want to get a real goddamn job. I'm telling you, then you need to watch if you guys are fans of at least the first film and felt any kind of way about the second... You watch documentary called Overnight, which is about the making of boondock scenes. Now, this started out as just supposed to be a little 15-minute feature on the on the DVD. But what it shows is, I don't want to say success because he didn't really, he was still on his way. But it shows this guy's head literally fucking exploding because of the deal that he got from Miramax and Harvey Weinstein at the time. He wrote the script. He was a bartender
2: fresh yeah, out of college up in Boston. I just pulled it up. It says here on the Wikipedia Duffy is presented as a victim of his own ego. As the film progresses and his fortunes fade, he becomes increasingly abused to his friends, relatives, and business partners. Wow. That's that's putting it nicely. I mean, you see this guy, like, like you know, you see that there's,
3: there's, he's schmoozing, like he's rubbing elbows for Patrick Swayze and shit like that back then. You know, I mean, at the time, you know, Weinstein not only gave him the deal, like, basically gave him the, the fucking Orson Welles precedent. Like, here you right? You can direct. You know, the kid was a bartender. He bought the guy, he he bought the friggin' bar for the kid, gave him a million dollar advance. So the kid just thought, he, he thought he was a new Orson Welles. At one point, he hangs up on Harvey Weinstein. There's footage in this thing where he's arguing back and forth, and he t- basically tells Weinstein to go fuck himself and hangs up on him. What and this idea? is before anybody knew what, what what a monster this guy was. It was the one thing you did not do, especially in the 90s and early aughts when you were an independent filmmaker, is piss off Harvey Weinstein. I wish yeah. th- during that scene, because it's like in his office or whatever, I really wish Tarantino and Kevin Smith would have been sitting on the couch like, dude, what the fuck did you just do? You're done. <laughs> right, you know? Exactly. Yeah, he's... And then you see him like these two, these two kids are documentarians. They literally... He convinced them to quit their job because he got this big advance. He's like... Fuck it, man, just yeah, quit your job, just do do the making up for me, you know. And it was going to be on a DVD, and halfway through the production, and say he basically he tells me, "Go, fees, Who the fuck you think you are? I'll pay you when I feel like paying you." He started asking about money. It's been like this thing, I think it's been like almost two months. They're like, oh, when are you going to start paying us for is, this work? Is this doing? on the dock? Is this on the yes? Dock? It is on the dock. He basically looks I'm at the cameras. dude, you've got to see out. it, man. You've got to see honestly, it. Honestly, honest to
2: God, I've I rented it from Blockbuster when you were still working there. Honest to God, I've never been a fan of either of the movies. I'm not a huge Boondock Saints fan. I think it's just overrated schlock. It's, uh, I mean, I, it I'm was, not it, happy it's, about a third film. I could care less. It's, it's just another no, reason to get the fanboy. Something to it's too little, too late.
3: No, it's, it's it, the, the fucking the residuals are drying up, and and Duffy can't live off and of mom, you know, his mom or his aunt or whoever. He's, but he don't know how to get a real fucking job. I will, I will be pleasantly surprised if this movie comes out any good. Because the second one, total fucking cash grab, and it. it wasn't fifteen years apart like it is now, all right. And I'm a little pissed at Defoe slummed his way into the ending of that. No, but you know, yeah, it, 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 Defoe shows back up at the end, and it's kind of a fucking cop out to bring his character in. It's, it's fucking, I don't know. It's like one for the cheap seats, you know. This, I don't know. I mean, it's obvious. Reedus don't need the money. Uh, Flannery oh, definitely yeah. needs some. <laughs> Flannery needs the money. And uh, and Duffy, obviously, you know, is trying to keep himself relevant in the industry, which at this point is too fucking late. T- good luck, Troy. You bring me a copy over to my house to sit here and try to convince me otherwise. I'll see you when you get here. <laughs>
4: yeah. But...
3: That ain't that ain't fucking happening. And just literally watch, you've got you've got to watch overnight. Find a way to watch it. Even if you spend two bucks on Prime, dude. It's just a riveting fucking train wreck. And you do, you watch this guy's head blow up and you just see him become a bigger and bigger dick. He ain't even put the film in the can yet. And he's walking around like his shit don't stink. Jesus. These guys are fucking like a total fucking frat boy. With a a three picture deal
2: Is what he comes off as Hmm. So currently right now uh, Best Buy and Amazon Are having the Black Friday sales And this is an important tidbit Especially if you're a supporter of physical media Which really should be Especially during these times When digital is making such a splash Um, Just I took advantage of it Monday morning And I saw they had like Scott Pilgrim In 4k for 10 bucks Got that Rucking for a dream, 4K, 7 bucks. never seen it, blind buy, got it. Same goes for Hella High Water, got that for the same price. There's a lot of things up there right now, like um, a lot of newer films. Uh, Last time I checked, um, like 1917 was on there. Tenet was uh, one of them that was on sale. Uh, And that's on top of Criterion's current sale. Through the the last week of the month, Criterion's having their annual, well, they do it twice a year, it's their 50% off sale that they do at um, the, Criter- the Criterion site, Barnes & Noble, and Amazon. Um, took advantage of that. I told you I, I picked up that movie with uh, Terrence Stamp called The Hit. That's an earlier Stephen Frears film yeah. with uh, Tim Roth. I got that. <clears throat> um, I picked up also at the same time when Criterion does this, Arrow has a half off sale of their own. So I picked up their Waterworld that they put out a few years back that I'm a big fan of. And I'm just waiting for arrows. Hills have eyes. 4K just to come in. So, um, and I think I told you the other night too. I picked up the Children of the Corn 4K that Arrow put out. And like, yeah. feelings aside of the movie itself, I know you told me you know you not a fan of the movie itself. It's, that's I, fine. I'll tell
3: you, I, I, I'm going to be honest. I, 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 what it was 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 um, was um, my interactions with Courtney Gaines and Jack Martin. And I understand that. Yeah, they were they were just they they. Just total fucking did not need to be as rude as they fucking were. So I was like, you know, I wasn't even all fanboyish and shit. I'm really talking to Courtney Gaines about um, this fucking 80s p comedy he did called Hard Bodies. I was just trying to strike up a conversation. The guy wouldn't fucking barely bat an eye. It was, it was the beginning of the con. Wasn't nobody there. They were just standing around bullshit. And I just was happy to be down there looking at shit. And I started trying to strike up a conversation. They don't want to be bothered if I wasn't dropping a nickel. Fuck you both. But the movie itself, it's okay. It's kind of like when I went back and revisited the original Amityville Horror. I'm like, you know, why did this fucking scare me? But
2: it's not really that scary. It's kind no, of No, It's just a creepy setting. Yeah, it's very creepy. I love the effect of the the, the cornfield is very effective. Um, something about just kids turning on all the adults of a town. It, it also like. It, it, it gets you in the feels a little bit. I mean, the, the movie opens up with a massacre at a diner. It's just insane. I forgot the movie yeah. starts off that way. And then, you know, the effects are whatever, but I got to talk real quick. You know, I'd be a fool if I didn't mention it. The, the transfer itself, you know, I was telling you, the <laughs> film has never looked so good since its release back in 84. Like, and you really said it was what? a It was an era release. Yeah, Arrow did the transfer. It's uh, it means they didn't give you the fucking digital for the voodoo, man. Arrow, the
3: ball. give my boy some digital code so I can watch his four K shit. Would you?
2: Or you know, just pay the four bucks and watch it. Or you can pay four bucks. Shutter, shutter, shutter. 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 I, I shutter. told you, it's I've had a hard there.
3: time adding your shutter to my account because it's it's linked to my Prime and it's going to start billing me for shutter. I'm not doing that when you pay for it. Get your own. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right shout outs shout out to his family Best film ever for the ever loving support non-stop love on a weekly basis like ian liam and the gang i genuinely believe that they've helped us you know gain some of the audience that we have today so thank you guys dearly uh your next favorite movie and their host josh for the same reason josh has definitely played a part in our success and i just wanted to sincerely say thank you and uh check out sean's episode when running scared it's now available that episode dropped on tuesday it's a good one gang and also, congratulations! Yeah, new yeah new that format. was fun time. Thanks, Josh. We had we had fun. We're looking forward to doing it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, listening yeah. to the, uh, the new format that he's doing. He's keeping his current format, but he's only doing it two episodes that way a month, and then two episodes, kind of like us doing a, a deep dive. So, <laughs> yeah,
3: um, tried, he texted me the other day, told me it was up, and I was telling him how you and I were listening to Halloween on the way up to uh. I was a fog over the weekend, and he said, yeah, yeah. Said you were giving me shit, and I'm like, yeah, I wasn't giving you shit, I'm just saying, yeah, with some residuals
2: for your new format. <laughs> he just started, he yeah. laughed at all. Um, I don't often do this, but I'm actually going to do a shout out to a, uh, a bigger podcast, and that's the Rewatchables, <laughs> because this week, Bill Simmons and gang got Michael Mann do the three heat so they have they're doing a th- they're sort of third heat episode but they actually got michael mann this time for it oh no shit just, it's an hour and a half basically an interview of just them asking questions like the same kind of questions that you and i would ask them if we had uh, had the opportunity uh talking about heat through and through and like it's a good, Gosh, listen. Nice. It's a good like, listen i have so, to give that one a run yeah definitely uh, shout out to The Movie Loot and host Carlo for being just a great guy who's been nothing but the best since he started listening. Um, yeah. Thank you for being a friend. Thank being a friend. <laughs> and Crazy Train Radio and host Jonathan for being a personal friend of mine and basically welcoming me into the podcast community last year after my first show with Mad Dad Movie Review. He immediately reached out to me and has treated me better than I know I deserve to be treated. So thanks again, Jonathan, and everyone. Go check out his show, Crazy Train Radio. And I'm actually in the process of getting him on here in the next couple months. So we will have Jonathan on the show. Isn't and that, uh, and, Isn't
3: that? Isn't that? Who you going to the Ravens game with? You guys had like in box tickets and stuff.
2: We went to the uh, Orioles game. Oh, the he, Orioles game. Okay, he, That's he what am thinking football? He he lives outside of Philly, so he came down for the day. He was going to the. Uh, oils fan fest over in uh frederick and then he just picked me up and he came over to my house and hung out for a couple hours we went and got some lunch and then him and i went down to the game and to my surprise i thought he had just good seats they had fucking sweet tickets and it was just me and him he actually had to get because it was it was just him and i in this big ass suite and he had two extra tickets so he actually just went out and gave them the two people that he just happened to see it was this couple a really really nice couple he just gave them to him and Nice. Upgrade, upgraded them so they came and watched the game with us. We have our own, cool. we had our own patio out there. It's 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 wicked. I it's, that was my third time being in a suite at the Orioles game. It's uh, yeah, always, always an event.
3: Yeah, yeah. I've uh it's been years since so I've been came in the yards, but I've had those type of seats before. It was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Uh shout out to Halloweenies for being the first podcast I really started listening to on a regular basis when I started listening to them overall. To me, they really know how to deep dive into a film and cover all the necessary elements. And I'd be a liar if I said I didn't take some sort of inspiration from them when starting my own show. And finally, shout out to you, the listener. Thank you for giving us a shot. And if you're a regular here, thank you for listening to us on a weekly and sometimes more than weekly basis. All we want to do is produce quality material. So I hope, you can, I hope that we can at least keep you entertained for the duration of the episode so once again thank you again and as always you can support each show by giving them a follow on social media and a listen on your preferred platform Uh, we have a new region this week we have new listeners from Iceland of all countries so uh, welcome to the party pal and uh, thanks for listening shout out to new regions in Iceland cool All right, current events. I am quitting cigarettes as of December 1st, giving myself a Christmas gift this year. You're going to quit with me? Uh, you know, you and
3: and you both be trying to give me, I don't know, something, something about being a holdout and smoking the analog way. I don't Come know, on. man. I don't know. I what are you going to do? Go- it. I don't. I don't know. I, I, I hear I'm like, the
2: way you. I hear the way you cough all the time, man. It'll fucking help out those lungs.
3: yeah, well, I get too stressed out. What else am I going to do? I'll put on weight. I got to maintain this girlish figure. What do you mean? You mean that skinny with the belt with the, with the beer belly? Hey, man, I'm, I put a lot of work and effort into this, man.
2: I get it. I mean, I used to be really skinny. Oh, I still am, but I used to have a, a, a belly when I used to drink a little bit. I don't drink anymore, but when I did. It got to the point where Lauren, my ex, started calling me fat. I'm like, well, when you're calling me fat, of all the things you can call me, there's a problem. So,
3: I've known you longer than she has. I've never known you to be fat.
2: Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you.
3: Yeah. So uh, that's right now. That's going to be a big no for me. Um,
2: And honestly, I thought you were just going to stay silent when I said you're going to quit with me because for a (laughs) few seconds there was a silence on your side. I was like, oh, that kind of response. you know, it's a, it's a couple of things. Um, as a smoker, I'm not going to lie. I love smoking. It's, it's just, I've, I've been a smoker for 15 years and just, I don't know. It's, it's a weird thing to hear someone say, I love smoking, but I do as, as a, you know, smoker, I smoke a pack and a half a day. Um, it's really hurting my wallet. Cause now here in Maryland, cigarettes are up to like 11 bucks a pack. It's a combination of that. Plus the other day I was going to work and I threw out a cigarette and like I was just wheezing for like a couple hours and like this never happens to me. I don't wheeze, you know, unless I have like a upper respiratory infection or something. But it was really insane. It didn't really scare it didn't scare me as much as it bothered me and just annoyed me. But uh yeah, I'm gonna give it a shot. I've tried before, but it lasted two days. So I'm gonna give this an actual shot. So yeah, I told myself December 1st, people are like, quit now, quit cold turkey. I'm like, nah, that's not the way it works with me. I can't do that i gotta wean myself down so december 1st is my target um and like i said i'm giving myself a christmas gift this year so all right let's mm-hmm. jump on to uh weekly recommends
5: mm. what would you get for a six-year-old boy who chronically wets his bed
2: i am going to recommend last night in soho it's such a smart and stylish production featuring my favorite two actresses at the moment <coughs> and uh Thomas and McKenzie and Anya Taylor Joy. I believe it's pronounced Anya, like aneurysm Okay, Anya, Anya.
3: Okay. I made the same mistake, but then I heard her. I heard her use that comparison in an interview. She's like, "Yeah, it's it's Anya, like aneurysm Like, oh, okay.
2: Well, for a while I was just calling her Anna. I thought it was A. Yeah, yeah, There's a Y in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on top of those two, you got Matt Smith. You've got Diana Reagan in, in her final performance, and a memorable, a memorable one at that. Um, and the always wonderful Terrence Stamp is also in it in a smaller role. It's, uh you know, guys, it's a film that I haven't stopped thinking about honestly uh, since I saw it with my daughter on Halloween afternoon. It's a uh, the cinematography is just so gorgeous, especially with all the Giallo inspired usage of the color red. Uh, Edgar Wright's script and story is pretty original and never fall never falls flat on its face. Um, I just can't say enough good things about the movie. It's a, a brilliant love letter to the disreputable nightlife uh, district that's featured predominantly. And overall, it's just a stunning psychological thriller And uh, that partially acts as a grim and dark love letter. Just do yourself a favor, guys, and uh, check it out. I, just, I, can't, I can't wait to break it down with you uh, early next year. And yeah, it's just a Highly enjoyable motion picture, and that more and more people should see. I'm I'm a little disappointed, not in Edgar or anyone else, uh, just in general. This movie bombed. It sucks. Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I mean, me. I didn't mean, until you brought it up. I didn't. i I mean I didn't know it had released yet. Yeah, it came out two weeks mm-hmm. ago, and like it mm-hmm. only opened up to four million dollars, and the the budget's like forty million. I'm like, oh man. It's it's definitely it's
3: it, yeah it's it, it's it's.
2: I feel terrible it's, for it. Right.
3: It's it, it's a niche, you know. It, it, it's 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 a niche topic, so there's there's only a small pocket of of audience members that are going to be buying tickets, especially it's a very this fresh out of the pandemic. So
2: it's original, and you know, people are always bitching about originality. Here you go; it's it's handed to you on a silver platter, gang. I, I can't rave about this film enough. Like I said, you and I are definitely going to be talking about this film early next year. Well, I'm looking forward to it. it. I'm I'm anxious to see it. Yeah, so um, how about you? What you got this week for us? All
3: right, so um, this is one I, I've—I know I've talked to you, and definitely Justin, about this, and trying to get you guys on board with it. I don't think either one of you've given it a shot yet. I know our man Carlo, over at the movie loop, watched this not too long ago because he and I had a little back and forth on the socials. Um, I'm going to recommend a little gem that I had had my eye, you know. Caught my eye when I was a kid, but never pursued. It, and then stumbled across it on Prime a while back. Mm. Watched it three times in a week. It's called The Ninth Configuration. Uh, Stacy Keach, Scott Wilson. It's actually written and directed um, by William Peter Blatty, the original author of uh, Exorcist. The Exorcist. Yes, yes. And you know he even brings Jason Miller along with him. You know, remember uh, Father uh, Father yep. Cares? I mean, not Follow Father here. Cares. No, uh, the I forget his the, the the other priest's name, but that guy. Um, but yeah, it's, uh,
2: it's yeah, it's
3: Father it's, Cares. It, oh, it is Father Cares, right? Yeah. Right. Um, but no, it's, it's it's like hard to pigeonhole the film because it's definitely funny. Like there are some very hysterical set pieces going on in this film. The, the premise is it's basically um, it's an adaptation, of, isn't it? Uh, off, off of a book that he did. Yeah. It was a book that he wrote called, uh, Twinkle Twinkle Killer Kane. Mm-hmm. And, um, Stacey Keats plays a character of Kane and essentially without giving too much away. Um, Stacey Keats' character arrives at this, uh, VA mental hospital. So it's essentially, it's, you know, all your, all your patients are are veterans, you know, they're, they're active veterans or, you know, basically shell shock. Like the, 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 war's put them through some shit and they kind of, they lost their marbles and they've been sent to this, you know, facility and was supposed to be the Pacific Northwest, but you can tell from all the shots they filmed, they filmed this thing in like Hamburg or Berlin or something. It was definitely filmed in East Germany, but it's supposed to be set like somewhere in like Northern California. I want to say like right around the Vietnam war, but basically the character of, um, of Kane comes to this facility in the beginning, and um, it's, it's kind of like Shutter Island where they just let the inmates run out their fantasies because there's a running gag where I think it might actually be Jason Miller's character. He's putting on a full Shakespearean production of like Romeo and Juliet with nothing but dogs. Oh, so okay. he's nice. <laughs> and like Joe Spinell is like his right hand man Spinell actually plays a character called Spinell oh, he basically he he's buddies with, with William Peter Blatt he's like put me in this movie Bill yeah I want to be in this film character was just literally written for him to be in the movie because he wasn't a character in the book um, right. but it's and like and as the acts go by like act one is straight up like I don't want to say slapstick but there's some gut busting moments and then it tends to get a little tense in the middle, and then it becomes a little. It's at the end of it, you find it, it's really a, a an interesting philosophical take on you know man's purpose and nature in the universe. Because Scott Wilson basically plays the the, the second lead as uh, Captain Billy Cutshaw, who I believe I don't think he's an astronaut; I think he's just a pilot. But either way, he's kind of cracked up. But it focuses on this relationship between Kane. And Cutshaw cut is basically just questioning man's place in the universe. There's some really cool like, visual effects to it. And there's a really nice third act twist that you do not see coming that I don't want to give away here. I would love um, for you to get a chance to watch it and then me, you, and Justin actually give it the film effect treatment. I think it deserves that kind of spotlight. Carlo loved it. I know he did. He was he and I were back and forth. I and mean, like I I'm mad it's not still free on Prime. I gotta find myself a copy of it, even if it's on DVD. So yeah, gang. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's for if you got nothing better than you got four bucks in your account, man. Rent this some bitch on Prime. It's a neat little flick. Um, it's it's like not really like anything you've ever seen before. And it's just yeah, it's I don't know how to describe it outside of it's it took me by surprise. It's really cool, it's funny, and it's thought provoking. Perfect type of you know, film for this show. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it up there for some time in 22 for you know, me, you, and Justin to cover the ninth configuration.
2: All right, very good. You know what the gas chamber smells like? Pine oil. That's where you're heading, boy, to pine oil heaven. This is training day.
5: the next 24 hours you will learn about the streets about the choices that will force a dedicated cop over the edge all in the name of
0: good. In the next twenty-four hours, the only thing more dangerous than the line being crossed—today's a training day, Officer Hoy. It's your chance to give you a little taste of reality. You think you can handle it?
5: Is the cop who has
0: crossed it? I will do anything you want me to do. Will you? We'll see. If I was a dealer, you'd be dead by now. <laughs> They build jails because of me. Judges have handed out over 15,000 man years of incarceration time based on my investigations. You got today and today only to show me who and what you're made of. You hear me? That's it. That's what I'm talking about. The first day on the job, you hit a $3 million seizure. Police officer, get away from the girl! No, 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 we're not racking up arrests today. You let him go. Is right? that not I mean, justice? That's street justice. What's wrong with street justice? Oh, uh, just let the animals wipe themselves out. God willing. It can't be like this. Open your eyes, can't you see? Police, we got a search warrant. Man, I didn't sign up for this. You think I'm crazy, right? You got the money an easy fix <laughs> you know what you're doing son Can we communicate and talk to me say it i think you're a road cop learned a lot of things on these streets boy good things and bad things too i'm the police king
3: kong ain't got nothing on me no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you never know that's the point turn out to be a nice day huh it'll get darker guarantee you that
2: In training day, a rookie cop spends his first day as a Los Angeles narcotics officer with a rogue detective who isn't what he appears to be. All right, first time viewings. Uh, it's, it's just that,
1: you see, this is actually uh, my, my first time. No, no, my first, it's my
2: first time uh, since my first time. So technically, that's my second time in... I don't, I don't, I don't want to suck at it. So if
3: I'm not up to, All right? Um, you kind of already know this story, but I'll go into detail. I um, I didn't see this till the home video release. In fact, um, I had to eat my words when I finally did see it. I remember, um, distinctly remember being at a at a friend's house on a Sunday afternoon. We're all getting together, you know, food, drinks, football, whatever, watching the Ravens game. And this football. is about to come out. Yay, sports ball. Um, this was about to be released or maybe had just been released. So it was still in theaters. Uh, it was around this time, 20 years ago. And the trailer, you know, ran in between, you know, TV timeouts, whatever, ran in, you know, during the Ravens game. And I'm more. There's a group of us there watching a game, and like couple people, like, man, that looks like Sean. You that looks like your type of movie, man. You guys, I'm like, fuck that noise, man. The movie's gonna be stupid. I've seen it. Nah, I'm I'm not getting anywhere near it. You know, I actually said this in front of like 12 people, and then denzel yeah, gets nominated right it starts it starts like bringing the money in it starts putting right. asses in seats. denzel mm-hmm. gets nominated and i'm like oh man i gotta see what this is all about and i went and rented the dvd and within 20 minutes i'm like boy i was a fucking idiot i practically went around and knocked on their doors and apologized one by one i'm like uh guys i was <laughs> really wrong uh we need to sit walk down and watch, watch this it's, yeah right i did i did the walk of shame with that dvd in my hand um, so yeah, man, it was it was it was home video. Um, I, don't, I rented it from Blockbuster, and uh, it definitely took me by surprise. I was not I was not intrigued at all when it was when it was on its theatrical run. But then word of mouth got out, nominations came in, and I'll be
2: damned. If I wasn't blown away. Yeah, so for me, I, again, I missed it in theaters myself. I actually was working at Blockbuster when this came out. And I rented it that way because we used to get movies in uh, early and we could take them home as part of our fire free rentals a week. And so when this came in, you know, naturally, I took it home and watched it and was like, damn, that's a great film. Uh, kind of leads into my story time. Tell me a story. Wait.
0: Like my story? No, not your story. A story. Since you can't keep your mouth shut long enough for me to read my paper, tell me a story. I don't think I know any stories. You don't know any stories? No. All right, I'll tell you a story. This is a newspaper, right? It's 90% bullshit, but it's entertaining. That's why I read it, because it entertains me. You won't let me read it. So you entertain me with your bullshit. Tell me a story right now. Go.
2: Uh, So at Blockbuster, one of my main jobs there uh, was I was in charge of setting the new release wall every Monday afternoon for Tuesday, and... This particular Tuesday, when Training Day came out, let's just say we had so many copies of the damn thing that I actually had to make two whole wall sections. I used to call them bays, like a whole wall, like you'd see yeah, it's you ba- on, yeah, the, the whole a, thing is a, a bay is show. like
3: is like six foot by four foot sections, and you had you that I, I'm I'm a, that's about the dimensions of it. Right?
2: I no, mean, the, the, the bay bays at like the whole wall. You have like there's different like. There's a wall of this title and a wall of this title and a wall of this title. That's how it always goes. So, normally we'd have like most films come out and I'd make room for like five or six shelves for it, sometimes shorter than that, depending on how many copies we got of the film in. But I'm telling you, when we got this in, because it was still at the time when VHS was still a thing, we got in so many DVDs of this goddamn movie that I actually had to make two entire whole wall base for it. Um, Like one. Like two shelves for VHS and the other like sixteen for DVD, and of course it was one of those guaranteed in stock where it's free. Had to put that fucking red case up there to, to let people know that if we didn't have it, get a little piece of paper that says you get it next time for free on us, and uh, and that's the way it worked. You know, Fridays, and, Fridays and Saturdays, you you basically unless you were there early enough, you weren't finding it. You were not finding the hottest new releases. Um, they would always come in. Sunday morning in line up because they, they knew that people were dropping off movies in the Dropbox and whatnot then, so Sundays <laughs> were always an episode man, it's customers had the funniest ways of fucking pissing me off, I swear um and and yeah, so this i when I think about training day i I always think about you know one, how great it is, and number two, just how many goddamn copies of this film we got in, a blockbuster for rent <laughs> it was see, ins- he, insane. He, he, he. You, you
3: you tell that story and I like have this vision in my head of like you over there on the right side of the store or whatever putting all this stuff up you know you got your marketing stuff like the cardboard stuff that goes around the bay wall and whatnot yep. like promo in the film and I imagine like Denzel just walking in all cool and swag and shit looks over sees you loading up like 32 feet of real estate with just his movie just and all he's doing is like ah 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 <laughs> yeah. ah ah ah
2: he did, no he's he just- <laughs> He just goes
3: boom, right? A cigarette <laughs> hanging out of his mouth, you
2: know? yeah, exactly. Whoops out two pistols, so I just clacking them together by the handles. Clink, 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 clink. Yeah, so all right, <laughs> uh, let's jump in the live top five for this week, Rob.
3: It's your turn, okay? I'm feeling kind of basic today. Top five side ones, track ones, Janie Jones, Clash from the Clash. Hey. Let's get it on, Marvin Gaye from Let's Get It On. Nirvana smells like teen spirit off never of Nevermind. Oh, no, Rob, that's not obvious enough. Not at all. How about uh, Point of No Return on Point of No Return? Lewis, so you can uh, get up. <laughs> a, shut up, <laughs> shut up. White Light, White Heat, Velvet Underground. Okay, that would be on my list. Uh, though not and on mine. Massive Attack, No Protection. The song is Radiation oh. Ruling the Nation.
2: Can I ask for top five corrupt cop films? Yeah, pull my list up, and I'll start it off. So, we're going to do the usual five, four, three, two, one. And then I have mm-hmm. like a whole buku of honorable mentions that's just going to go down after we're done. So, my number five is Rampart with uh, Way and uh, John Berenthal, uh, Brie Lawson, one of her first films, actually. I think she did this like the year after Scott Pilgrim came out. Yeah, uh, true story, well, partially true, true events. Um, know of Well, it's 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 based around you know it's it
3: set right around the the whole Rodney King era yes. in in with with the LAPD right and the rampart division of of LA was known to be just like a dirty it was a dangerous dirty crooked fucking precinct mm. and Woody Harrelson's a dangerous dirty crooked fucking cop. And he's just a beat cop, too. He's not like a clothes detective like Alonzo Harris is in this film. He's just a straight up, you know, got his black and white, you know, and his dress blues on, but he's a motherfucker, man. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's basically doing all of that and and the... Uh, it's in the late 90s. He was actually after mm-hmm. King and all that. And the character of Woody Harrelson, he plays a character named uh, Officer Dave Brown. And yeah. basically... It, it shows him and his corruptness during this time. And uh, it's, it's also, you, you watch him face the consequences of, you know, his wayward career in a sense.
3: Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's such a commandeering prick. I mean, the guy's got both his wife and his girlfriend and their yeah. kid, and, and all his kids are living like he's got two houses next door to each other. I and mean, he's just, yeah. he's not Mormon. He's just too much of a prick to give one up. so like, no, you're both staying with me, you know? It's a, um, lot,
2: it's a lot of people were in this movie. I mean, you got, yeah. Ned it moves kind of
3: slow though. I've only seen it once and I was like, I kept, well, I felt like I kept waiting for something to happen. Don't get me wrong. It's a good story. And it shows that blowback of what the LAPD was going through back then. Um, and yeah, it's a good character piece for Woody Harrelson, but I just kind of felt like it really didn't go anywhere to me. I've got to give it another look though. I haven't seen it since I think you laid it on me on the, uh, on the treasure chest way back when.
2: I think, yeah, I mean, honestly, movies like this don't really seem just to go anywhere. The the, the reason, the point of watching them is just to see, like, two sides of the corruptness, you know, told by, in this case, Woody Harrelson's, you know, Officer Brown. And um, there's a lot, of actors in this, a lot of them play you know small roles, one scene, one and done. Yeah, I mean, like
3: I yeah. said, but you mentioned burnfall but I only remember him in the beginning when they're all having lunch at the you know, eating French fries on the hood of their, 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 their rollers. I don't remember him being in any other scene other than that.
2: I, I gotta go back and rewatch it. I, I thought that he had a bigger role than that, it May that might be the case. But I know Ned Beatty's in it, Ben Foster, mm-hmm. and his brother John Foster, um, Robert Wisdom from The Wire is in it. Uh, Anne Hae, Ice Cube, Cynthia Nixon, Sigourney Weaver, Robin Wright, Steve Buscemi. There's a lot of fucking people in this movie. Right? Yeah, Actually, yeah. It was, a lot smaller roles than others, but um, it's it's a good movie. So, what's your number five?
3: Uh, mine's gonna be the uh, the, mine's gonna be a uh, Copland. Uh, kind of a similar independent, you know, flick. Um, with a lot of people in that cast. Mm-hmm. Um interesting story about that. Did you know that? Um, and it's hands down, like it's easily my favorite. And I'm not a big Stallone fan, but like he actually brings it on this. Um, you know, you know, everybody involved with this work for scale just because they love the script and the and the director just didn't have a big budget. Like everybody, De Niro, Leota. Yeah, like everybody's like, you know, we, we'll do the we we want we this is quality shit. We want to put it out there. We'll take 750 a week. <laughs> you know and it's it's really good and it's stallone in a very powerful dramatic term basically you know where he's he's uh the sheriff of a new jersey town that a lot of new york city cops reside in and that precinct is looking dirty um so yeah yeah copland is going to be my number five <laughs> uh,
2: my number four is dried across concrete
3: good one yeah love yeah. me some s craig zahler man That's definitely. Yeah, definitely. Good. So it's I, I watch. I, I just watched that not too long. I went on. I, I literally did the whole Zollerthon a couple weeks back. Did <laughs> all of them. Um, so my number four is going to be the Sidney Lumet classic Serpico. Nice. I got that coming up. Yeah, love. Well. You know, love. Love young Pacino and that. You see him like just like you see the guy's range and it's kind of right when you know you started to see that coming and you knew that he was you know becoming the Pacino that you know the, the national treasure that he is mm-hmm. you know um, solid solid flick
2: right, so, number three is bad lieutenant port of call New Orleans I prefer this over the original I think this is Nick Cage's wildest most bizarre role uh, he really goes for the throat in this film, uh, in my opinion, <laughs> and uh, yeah, st- uh, st- stunning supporting cast too. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of Bob, people in that, and it's it's basically,
3: and it's 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 uh, um essentially, it's not so much a remake, but a, a companion piece to Abel Ferrara's Bad Lieutenant. Yeah,
2: you know, uh, yeah. All yeah. This, you is, this is
3: this is this. I think it's probably Werner Herzog's most accessible film um but yeah you're right cage goes full on bug nuts you know uh interesting story i was just telling this to mandy the other day you know there's a scene where like he's like i'm sure you remember like there's an iguana he's like focusing on an iguana you remember yeah, I scene? Was,
2: i was just thinking about that scene. so do, right you, do you know
3: do, do you know why that is the, do you know why that is even in the film
2: oh i had no idea no clue. that's nicholas that's nicholas
3: cage's support animal that's his fucking that's his pet iguana he would Why am st- I he not surprised? It like, was literally like Wolfgang. I mean, um, Herzog tells a story about how like Earth Cage would like sit at home and just stare What's at the he say? Like I see his soul dancing or
2: something Yeah, like that? yeah.
3: He's just, he would use it for a method and inspiration. So he he talked Herzog into, into letting it on the set, putting it on the film. It was like his fucking emotional support animal. Yeah.
2: He's like, what are you staring at? He's like, his soul is dancing. Was something yeah, his
3: soul is dancing. He's right after
2: he takes that major, he takes a big blast of crack. And he's like, his soul yeah. is dancing. And I always remember um, he's got a, a a bookie played by Brad Dorif who voices Chucky in the movie. So yeah, just, it's just a really good movie all along. Now, like I said, I just think it's people will argue one like, of one Spider-Man of Al Kilmer's. Shit, I think this is
3: Yeah, one of, this is one of Al Kilmer's last uh, last appearances before he got sick. Like, I'm not mistaken. It was one of, one of his. You know, I'm not saying this very last one, but it wasn't too yeah. long after this when you know when he got died excuse me, when he got diagnosed and had to step away.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was around that, yeah, because this, this was like oh, 09, and then that diagnosis was what, in the early to mid-teens? Yeah, remember. it was only a few years after. Yeah. So it was one of his, one of his more, you know, one of his more
3: recent roles, I mean, All before right. he had to succumb to, you know, the surgery number three? Else. Uh Number three is going to be The Departed. Simple enough. I mean, you know, it's a solid. You know, it's you know, it's classic Scorsese. The guy got the you know the award finally for a reason. But yeah, no, it's just that's a solid little story.
2: And we're going to be next month.
3: I was going to say, yeah, me, you, and Justin are digging in on that one. So you guys will hear more from from me about that in the
2: coming. That's actually scheduled to be the final episode of 2021. So oh, nice. We're going to send out out the year. My number two is this film, Training Day, for reasons that we are about to get into.
3: My number, yeah, my number two is uh, Romeo is Bleeding with Gary Oldman and Lena Oldman.
2: Lena Oldman,
3: yeah, it's a nice, nice little independent nineties like
2: you know, is it Annabella
3: is. Sciorra. It's a little noir feel to it. You know, a uh, couple twists and turns coming there.
2: My childhood crush, Annabella Sciorra. <laughs> Ever since the combination of the Hand that Rocks the Cradle and then this, oh my God, I used to, de- I used to daydream about that woman for. Longest time, so. All right, my number one is The Departed. Again, um, we'll be talking about it. So, yep.
3: So I'm bringing I'm bringing Oldman in for the one two punch, man. My number one is The Professional, namely because Oldman's performance is Norman Stansfield. Name me another more unhinged, crooked, fucking, sweaty, despicable cop than Norman Stansfield. Bring me everyone.
2: Definitely a good one. Yeah, I ain't got time for
3: this Mickey Mouse bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) Love me some Norman Stansfield.
2: All right, let's jump into the film, shall we? Yeah. All right, so training day kicks off with a shot of the sunrise and Officer Jake Hoyt, played here by Ethan Hawke. He hits his alarm off as soon as it goes, uh, as he appears to be uh, anticipating it a little bit. Yeah, uh, he's
3: literally, literally goes 4.59 to 5 a.m. It buzzes for half a second. He just slams it shut. Yeah, he's, he's been, been laying there waiting. Him. Yeah, he's been hey. waiting for it.
2: Uh, real quick, though, I want to talk about um, I want to back up to the sunrise mention and and quickly talk about the the orange color palette that a mm-hmm. uses to for the cinematography. Mm. Um, you can essentially feel the heat while you're mm. watching this movie yeah yeah you know I mean? you, you, you kind of can I,
3: I, like, I, part, I, I feel it yeah you you kind of can
2: see part of me wants to take a cold shower once it's over because I feel like I've been sweating watching it for the last two hours. Die, you're um, gonna
3: you're gonna feel that way when you finally get into your copy of Requiem for a Dream, let me tell you that right now.
2: I've heard I've, <laughs> I've, I've actually had people message me and have them like, look, this is not me fucking around. This is the sincerest of sincere heads ups. <laughs> it's he- head very, ups it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Good film, so. but it's fucking uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I'm i yeah, you're about right.
3: It. Like like just just the way that the way the Fuqua, you know, uh, like stages of shots or what I mean, you you kind of can Especially early in the first, I mean, in Act One, you kind of feel it's almost like you can you can smell L.A., the city of L.A. waking up, you know, with the, the, miss- the you know fresh rain on the streets and the cars and the suns coming. Yeah, you really can kind of
2: feel the heat coming through. My mistake, gang. Antoine Fuqua directed this. David Ayer wrote it. Wrote it. Yes, yeah, yeah he directed, wrote it. Direct it, wrote it. So, yeah, his wife's in the rocking chair breastfeeding their newborn before we cut to breakfast, and Jake, he's about to head out the door. Uh, before we can do so, he gets a call from Denzel Washington's Detective Alonzo Harris. He tells Alonzo he's heading out the door and going to roll call when Alonzo says, patrol fairies go to, fairies roll, go to call. roll call. We don't do roll call.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you get ready to go on a roll call? Yeah. We can have patrol fairies go to roll call. We don't go to roll
2: Tells jake there's a coffee shop at 7th and whitman be there 10 o'clock in civvies comfortable shoes with a backup gun something pocket-sized when jake tells him he just got he's just got a department-issued piece Alonso tells him to bring uh to bring it cuffs too. that they'll be, in the, be, all, yeah, we'll be, be in the office all day, all day. <laughs> Who knows? maybe we'll do some business since they're an aggressive unit and then you see jake because you know he's the new guy he wants to be nice he's he goes to thank him for the opportunity but uh it's hung up on.
3: He's done. He, he made his business.
2: He's done. Hung that phone up. Yeah, hung that phone up. Right off the bat. He then tells his wife, it feels like high school football tryouts, and he wishes he just knew if he made the team or not. Right. So we get to this diner, and this is what diner again? Uh, it's the same
3: diner. It was used in several productions, but uh, mo- the most famously would probably be um, the scene in seven. Where Gwyneth Paltrow's character is having uh, breakfast with Morgan Freeman, and you know, tells him that she's pregnant. She's pregnant. Right? Um, they're almost. It's almost shot in the exact same booth. It's definitely the same diner, um, and it could very well be the, the the very same booth or one very close to it. But yeah, that's kind of. Cool. But it's been in other films too. But most prominently would be you know this and and uh, David Fincher's Seven, which we covered not too long ago.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... So Jake gets there and he he denies coffee from Alonzo. And Alonzo tells him. Hey, well Alonzo gets, tells him he, gets, he gets, yeah, get, get, some some
3: breakfast, get some chow. He's like, no, nah, okay. yeah.
2: Even though he declines, uh, he declines out as well. So he's trying, Alonzo's sitting there with his newspaper. He's trying to read it. Jake interrupts him, saying that he'll uh, get something to eat, but Alonzo's. Uh, oh, hell he no, you you won't. You don't that fuck that up. <laughs> uh, so when Drake Jake then tries uh, making small talk. And uh goes off on him for being interrupted and not being entertained. So he demands Jake to tell him a story. Yeah, and this
3: and is uh a- this is this is our soundbite that you use all the time on the show exactly. for story time. Yes. it's the exact soundbite. like, this, I, You see this newspaper, it is 90% bullshit, but I read it because it entertains me. You won't let, you me, won't read let
2: it, me read it. So you, you entertain, entertain me. me, me. Tell boy. me a story. Tell me a story, Jake. Go. So he tells him a story. Uh, in a moment everyone can hear like you said. Uh, So at first he says he doesn't know any stories and Alonzo calls him out saying his newspaper. Okay, all that shit. So let me get ahead here. Jake tells him about an incident involving his female training officer where he finds 500 grams of meth on a DUI bus that turned out to Uh be on bail for distribution and is on his way to smoke his partner before trial, ultimately preventing a murder in the process. So Alonzo when he goes to tell the story at first lets out this very loud boom at first. That's what now, I just what, did. Yeah, He I,
3: slams on the table It's
2: boom. He's like, "Ah, um, right, you got to be ready." And I'm pointing it out because watching this movie again, I swear it was ad-libbed and Hulk was not expecting it because you can see like I'm sure. Hulk like jump back and you he actually hear him say, "What the fuck? the fuck?" Right, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it's it's just I love seeing shit like that, like seeing genuine reactions to things. It's it's I love it. So it was Alonzo, like literally
3: like character development taking place once for him. It was exactly,
2: pretty cool. Exactly. So he tells the story and then Alonzo says, he don't believe him. He suspects that he's running around with his wife with his female training officer asking him if, uh, her if she's got a liquor license. She got a
3: liquor. She got a liquor license. They lick a liquor license. Her
2: license. He tells Alonzo he's got a wife, and Alonzo says he's got a dick too. And to the left and the right of that dick, he's like, a d- you
3: got a dick, right? A dick points straight down the middle, like that. On the left side or right side, either side of that dick is pockets, and then pockets is money. Reach in the pocket, to pay the bill.
2: There you go. Cut the <laughs> outside, and Alonzo walks cross traffic like he's invincible. And they get to the car with a fucking Chinese menu on the windshield, acting like it's a fucking ticket, so his car doesn't get towed. I love it. Just fucking any way he can, he's just getting through, getting through. So, he says the door's unlocked, and uh, he's like, well, no one's going to go inside. Don't worry. Hoyt asks if they're going to the office, and Alonzo says, you're in the office, baby, before firing up the hydraulics and pulling out. Yeah, it's track.
3: fucking Still banging in soundtrack. And a sexy car, man. He's rocking that sexy-ass Monte Carlo, all black with the tin job and the white walls
2: and the hydraulics. I love it. It's Badass great. car. So Alonzo explains to Hoyt while in the car that it's his training day and he's got one day and one day only to prove to him that he's got what it takes. After briefing him on the road, he asks Hoyt why he wants to be a narc and Hoyt says he wants to make detective. So Alonzo says that he can do it if he sticks with him and he has to unlearn all that shit from the academy. That would get him killed out here. And that's when uh, you see Hoyt's like, I will do anything you want me to. <laughs> So we learn. He said. He tells him to learn. Careful his what you wish for, Jake. <laughs> yeah, learn your Espanol. Uh, he gets personal, but Jake doesn't want to talk about his family. So Alonso tells him to hide that love, keep it inside, because the guys catch wind of that, they'll chew his ass up. He then tells him uh, to ditch the wedding ring that he has on before pulling up to a, watch a, a weed transaction go down. After receiving word from his informant, who happens to be the dealer, now back up a second. Uh, don't you think? Because you know, Hoyt's going out there undercover. He's uh-huh. wearing street clothes. Uh-huh. Why would he wear that wedding ring?
3: And he's not thinking. He's he's only been on a job eighteen months. For you know, fresh out of you know, out of the academy, it's not right. something that's going to cross his mind. It's, you got to figure that ring's been on his finger. I think he said he had been married almost ten years, so he's never taken right. it off. He's going to you guess. know, and it's going to take that you know advice from a senior officer to like plant that seed so you never forget it you know yeah so it's not something i honestly i mean if i was in the situation i probably did the exact same thing just walked out the door without thinking about it until somebody said not a good idea gonna fuck Mm. up your cover like oh yeah okay you have to go home and explain to the wife why you have to leave it on the sink every morning (laughs) and hopefully she understands
2: see we got this uh these college kids who's buying you know a little bit of weed uh, you can tell it's a 2001 film by the fucking the Volkswagen Beetle. Car, yeah, it's the thought. new
3: school Beetle, and it's in that weird, like, metallic pea green day glow yeah. color that all it the was, hipsters drove around in 20 years ago.
2: And they're rocking out to some Papa Roach last week. <laughs> like, oh my God. This yeah, movie.
3: yeah. So we got Fran I'll, Kranz driving the car.
2: Fran Crans from the previous episode, Cabin in the Woods.
3: Yeah, Joss Whedon's a little good luck to him.
2: Yeah, right. So, and a guy go who to,
3: I swear is a spitting image of Glenn Howard in the passenger seat, but Ed tells me it's not Glenn Howard. But okay. So, telling you the dude in the passenger seat's running.
2: They go to pull out and he's, he goes to make the call and he says, Stay off the Rover.
3: Yeah, stay off the Rover.
2: So they go, they bust, they, they, they pull the car over in like this highway. Yeah, they straight up Yeah, They don't
3: even they don't, they don't even put like the little, nope. you know, the, they the don't little light, light on the dash or nothing. They don't they, light, they don't up light them up. They just straight block them in like a like a pit move. They come right on they 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 pass them coming on their overpass and just straight block them in and come out guns ablaze and hands up.
1: Side of the glass. Put
0: the straight boy. ahead, it put it in park! Let's grab the keys and blow them out the window. Grab the keys and throw them out the window. Put your hands on your chest. Put your hands on your chest! <sighs> All right, fork it over, smart man. You what? know what I'm talking about? Oh, the marijuana! Ow. Give it to me! Give it to me!
2: Ow. Give God, it to me! Okay, okay, okay! Sorry, sir. Shut up! Know.
0: Too late for that. Give me that pipe you got down there on the floor, too. Quickly! My
2: mom, give me this. I don't care
0: who gave it to you. She could pick it up in jail. What else you got? Give me them cigarettes, too. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Hey, control your suspect. Miss Palms on the glass. Move those hands. I'll slap the taste out of your mouth. You understand me? Put your face right up against the glass. Right there. Now, what are you doing down here? You know this is a gang Ah. neighborhood, don't you? Ow, ow, yeah, yeah. You know it's a gang neighborhood? Then don't come down here. I see you down here again. I'm going to take your vehicle. I'm going to make you walk home. I'm gonna let the homeboys up the hill run a train on your girlfriend. You know what a train is, don't you? Huh? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, gentlemen. Thanks for your cooperation.
2: Yeah, hands up, dude. Like, they've got their guns pointed at them. And I'm right. like, Holy shit. Right. In this movie, it's like, oh <laughs> my God. <laughs> like for Weed,
3: you getting the clock pointed in your face.
2: Oh my God. Like, the both of them is right off the bat. Guns drawn. <laughs> All that for a dime from an old brick pack from Mexico.
3: <laughs> yeah, it is some shitty weeds all wrapped up in foil.
2: So who's fucking playing with the pipe and, and, and the tin with the, with the weeds inside and tells Hoyt to be truly effective. A good narcotics agent must know and love narcotics. In fact, a good <laughs> narcotics agent should have, narcotics, have narcotics in, in his, his blood. blood. He's like, What are you going to smoke that? He's like, Nope, you are. So he thinks he's fucking with him. He's like, no, nah, I'm not going to smoke that, blah, blah, blah. And that's just what Denzel says. He's like, blah, 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 blah. Here, just hit it. So he stops the car when, after he turns him down enough times. Pull like, in the middle of the intersection. Just yeah, on straight
3: the up. Break. He's blocking traffic on all four sides. But Alonzo don't give a shit. He's the fucking king of L.A. And he puts don't give a flying gun, fuck.
2: Puts his gun to fucking Hoyt's head saying if he turned down drugs like that on the streets, he'd be dead. He says, uh, he t- makes him smoke it and he tells him to get the fuck out of his car, calls him a rookie. Keep that in mind. It's the first time we're gonna it's kind of a like a, a yeah, thing It's it, this movie. People it call him rookie.
3: It, he goes, You poo butt ass. <laughs> he calls yeah. him a poo
2: butt. Yeah. <laughs> so he He's like fine, you want you. you- you want me hit it? I'll hit it So he's fucking sitting in the middle of the intersection still Blocking traffic, people are honking the horns and shit All for fucking Ethan Hawk To sit there in the passenger seat to, to toke on this little pipe Give me that thing I'll
1: smoke it man Give it to me You want me to smoke it? I'll smoke it
0: Ah! Virgin lines. Man up now. Man up, nigga. Man up. Go go. ahead, dog. Get it even. Get it. Get it good. Yo! Get the fuck up and just wait. (sighs) Oh god. Man the fuck up. Finish that shit. (laughs) <laughs> Let's
2: go, nigga. Let's go. He's like, man up, man, man up. Man up. Man up. Man the fuck up, motherfucker. So alonzo actually pulls a gun on yeah. a driver honking his Yeah, car. guys honking a horn. alonzo just holds oh a gun across God. the passenger seat like fuck you gonna do? You gonna wait. In 2021, this is a fucking DA's nightmare. <laughs> 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 We're not even fucking 10 minutes into seeing these two together. Yes. For real. For real. So, Jake is tripping. He's fucking, he's wet. It's revealed that the weed he smoked was laced with PCP. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, Alonzo's
3: like, I didn't know you're allowed to get wet. He's, he's like, huh? what, what's that? <laughs> Butt naked. Ew.
2: Sure, uh, dust, CCP. PCP. Jake's all paranoid about being told what he did, so Alonzo assures him that Lieutenant's got their back, that they'll know a week before getting drug tested. <laughs> uh, he said he's an adult. He's got to live with his decision. It's not like he put a gun on him. <laughs> it's not like I put a gun to your head. <laughs> <laughs> You're an adult. So they go to see Roger, Scott Glenn. Scott yes. Glenn's Roger.
3: Yeah, now um, I want to. I want to talk about the alternate casting. They originally had Mickey Rourke in mind, which I think would have worked just as well. It would have been cool. Would have been. I, I it, think uh, would. I think would have been an earlier resurgence to his career. Though he hasn't done much with that resurgence and shit. The better already. Well, um, two Scott years Glenn this, works for me, but Mickey Rourke would have would have been cool too.
2: Well, two years after this is when he kind of had a, a sort of resurgence. Uh, Mickey Rourke because he had. Two thousand three. Once upon a time, Mexico. And well, he's yeah,
3: he's it, it, like Rodriguez, buddied up with him and kind of scooped him up like much how Tarantino did to Travolta back when you know back in the day.
2: But then uh, a, month, a, a year later in, in two thousand four, he was in uh, a man, man on Fire with Denzel. No, true, true. Um, oh that was originally played by it's Scott Glenn, Glenn. Cre- right? Creasy. And and and, yeah. and and what was great
3: about uh, with Tony Scott's Man on Fire was, you know, the story was that um, he was original. He, he he was trying to direct that, uh, the the one with Tony Scott, and right. I mean the one with Scott Glenn. And the studios like, no, 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 no. You're, you're you're too new for this. You're you 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 are too you're too much of a rookie. We're not going to hand this property to you. Yeah,
4: so then that. he
3: then then he hit it big. You know, obviously coming off you know riding his brother's coattails, and then he releases Top Gun, and he's like working with Bruckheimer and Simpson and shit, and he gets his chance, and he's like, I'm going to put it back in the fucking studio's face. And he went, he went and made the damn film, but made it better. But yeah, it was, so Scott Glenn played crazy in in the original run. Uh, Or in the original uh, Man on Fire. And yeah, you're right. Denzel plays him in
2: Tony Scott's verse. All right. So Roger, Scott Glenn. Roger mentions the Russians. They want Alonzo's head. This is the first we hear of this uh, little uh, incident with the Russians that plays a part in the whole movie throughout the duration. After shit going wrong in Vegas, Roger then asks Jake where he grew up and what his last name is. Roger then correctly guesses his football position and what high school he went to. Strong safety at North Hollywood High. He's like, how'd you know that? He's like, I follow all the good players. Yeah, Lonzo's like, how
3: did you know that? He's like, I follow all the good players. Where'd you
4: grow up?
5: North Hollywood. What's your last name? Hoyt. 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 Strong safety, North Hollywood High. That's right.
0: How'd you know that? Yeah, how the fuck did you know
5: that? I follow all the good players.
2: <laughs> so then he tells him this joke about a snail. It's uh, it's uh, you, you know, about uh, the job. Uh, one day the man walks out of his house to go to work. He sees this snail on his porch, so he picks it up and chucks it over his roof into the backyard. The snail bounces off a rock, cracks the shell in half, and all the shit. It lands in the grass. The snail lies there dying, but it doesn't die. It eats some grass, slowly heals grows a new show and after a while it can crawl back one day the snail up and finally heads back to the front house finally after a year this little guy crawls back out on the porch right then the man walks out to go to work and sees this snail again so he says to it the fuck's your problem figure that joke out and you'll figure the streets out yep so Jake laughs it off, but then stops when he realizes it's not. It's only him laughing. He's like, "That's not funny. That's not funny." Uh, Jake chalks it up, to smiles, and cries. You got to control your smiles and cries because that's all you have. Nobody can take that away from you. The interpretation of of the joke. Put here I, I, mean, the way, I mean, essentially, the way
3: the way I look at it is a, as an average viewer is. I mean that's a perfect metaphor for the streets. It's gonna pick you up. It's gonna without without missing without thinking of missing a beat, them streets gonna pick you up, toss you in the backyard, which you shall all beat to shit. It's to be up to you to fucking crawl yourself out of the fucking hole and make your way back around to the porch. Only to have it happen again if you don't hide your smiles and your fucking cries. You let them see you shed a tear, let them see you crack a smirk. They're going to find that, you know, they're, they're going to see the inside. That's one thing you don't want to give up on the streets is, is the, empty. you got to, you, you got to keep that, that front up, you know?
2: So the joke symbolically means the man represents the streets and the snail represents just another random person falling victim to the streets. The size difference between the two represents how big the streets are and how small we are. The big guy kicks his little tiny helpless snail and breaks his shell showing how easy it is for the streets to tear you up. The joke means that street life will run you over and tear you to pieces and won't even remember you or care the next second. You're just another victim, a small, tiny snail in the, in the way. Uh, no matter how you, No matter who you are or what you've been through on the streets, you're just another person. When the snail comes back, the man, the streets, doesn't give any respect. The streets will tear you up and not think twice. Don't expect any respect in the street regardless of who you are or what you've been through. Hanging out, then they, they leave Roger's place and yeah, they're, ha- they're having a
3: morning belt of scotch. It's like Basically. maybe eleven thirty, twelve o'clock. They're having they're having some three hundred dollar glass fucking top of the line glen limit. Yeah. yeah.
2: So they leave and Jake is still tripping or or he's still wet. So they're driving Yeah, he's
3: eight. coming down off the ship and he's starting to get a fucking alcohol bus on now too. Hell of a way to start
2: the day. He sees this girl as they're passing by an alley. She's being attacked. And so he uh, orders Alonzo to stop the car and then he jumps out and runs and just basically just beats these two guys, you know, that are fucking trying to rape this girl. They He takes them and takes them all on himself. Uh, two of the guys, what I call Hollywood dirty, yeah. <laughs> obviously they've been dirtied up for the film. Um, it's, it's very obvious. So these two get their shit kicked and then he. But he doesn't cuff them he has he has um, zip ties he uses zip, zip ties. ties thank you and Alonzo finally gets there you know and Jake's like you know thanks for your help I could have used it and he's like you had it yeah. he's clapping yeah, he's like, good job yeah, He's
3: taking his time down the alley lights stops lights up a smoke watches Jake fucking handle shit
2: So uh he takes the little he takes the girl's wallet keep that in mind and then the two guys Alonzo basically, you know, is, is fucking with them. You know, you like the fucking, you like the rape right little girls, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you know what they do to you in the booty room. The booty hey, so house, We got room at the booty house for you. You ever
3: been to the booty house. He's like,
2: suck my dick. I know people. He's like, that's how it starts. Uh-huh. So yeah, he's, he's going to shoot the guy. He's going to shoot his one. He's like, which one do you want? The left, right or the nut or the right nut. I'll give you the choice. And he's basically just fucks with them. Punt beats him and, and leaves without detaining him, nothing. And Jake questions Alonzo's motives now and how many people he's actually put away. And this is when Alonzo compliments him on his chokehold. And then he has him howl like a wolf. And he's trying, he goes to howl for him and he's like, I said a wolf, not a rooster. <laughs> and then uh, this is when Jake takes that beer from Alonzo and is told to keep up what he's doing. So, yeah, to
3: balance you, he get some of that beer and it'll balance you out.
2: Uh, this is when they pull up to Snoop Dogg's Blue, who's in a wheelchair. Nope. And this is a funny bit because you got Ethan Hawke with the hoodie up, very obviously undercover. And he's just like, can I, can I get some crack? Hey, um, 20, 20 bucks. 20, 20 bucks, bucks worth, worth of crack? It smells like It smells like Seems bacon, like in, like this bacon in this bitch.
3: What you need, homie? Uh, crack.
1: 20 bucks? Crack. Yeah. Smell like bacon in this motherfucker. What, I look like a sucker to you, nigga? Fuck you, rookie.
0: All fetch, dog. You want me to... Come on, man. Oh, oh, oh!
2: So he's hesitant when, you know, Alon, not Alonzo, uh, Snoop Dogg goes away and, and he looks Yeah, over he starts Alizeau rolling down the street.
3: Woo. He's like, go, hey, go get him, dog.
2: Woo. So Jake chases him into the back of a store where we see him. Is that a the Korean wig shop? Yeah. We see Blue swallow the crack vial before being tackled down and cuffed. They uh, finally yeah, just throw him animal. out of the
3: chair. They don't tackle him.
2: They don't give, fuck. They don't give they, a fuck. They, they dump him out the chair. So Alonzo takes Jake's little pen thing and makes and sticks it down his throat and makes him puke up the, the crack pile. Uh, he's like, what's that? What's that right there? You even got no crack on you? What's that? Jimmy, Jimmy Crack Corn. That's crack. That's right. And Jimmy, Jimmy crack, crack, crack Corn. So rather than go to jail when Alonzo pops out the boards one by one, telling him it's 10 years each. Yeah, it's 10, finally that's 10. That's 20. Him, that's 30. Yeah, his uh, employer's name is Sandman. He's currently serving time in the county. Using a uh, fake search warrant with uh, this, with with a, yeah, spectacular takes a shot. shot of a yeah, takes... blazing sun beforehand. But you yeah, know
3: what I'm saying? yeah, no, this is and a lot is uh, Alonzo's trick, man. He pulls that Chinese menu out the glove box, yep, there it's, you again. know, crumples crumbles it up in his hand. It's basically a prop,
2: and then you know, because he Grays.
3: yeah, he had, he, had opened, he had opened the trunk of his car, and, and Jay said, What do you got, Circuit City? Are you that's unclaimed, you know, from the in the property room. I give it to my CIs and he hands in the little, you know, the police windbreaker. Yeah, then he goes, serve. they go serve the uh, the warrant. And, so and he goes yeah. to
2: the back and he's tearing the room apart while Jake's out, fr- out in the front room um, with, again, his gun drawn watching Macy Gray and her son, Dimitri. I try to say goodbye and I choke. I try to walk away and I
3: stumble. I try to say
2: She's played really by good Den- this She is. She is. I- I'll give her that. She's really good. Uh, her son, Dimitri is played by Denzel Whitaker, who no yeah, relation. a, it's it's father, a, love child. a really big name of Denzel's.
3: No, nah, it's Denzel Denzel Washington, Forrest Whitaker's love child.
2: Right. So, <laughs> this is the second time we hear Hoyt being called a rookie. Yes, yeah, she's like, y'all Gray. stink. Y'all got to get lick it up you your business in here. <laughs> you look like yeah. a rookie. He tries to fist pound Dimitri saying, he's like, you cool? You cool, Dimitri? Yeah, you cool. Just, he just looks at him. He's like, never mind. You're cool. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're a white cop in my
3: living room trying to fist pump me in. The, in the, we're in fucking fucking and That ain't happening, homie.
2: Meanwhile, I'm questioning what the fuck Macy Gray's watching on TV because it's a bunch of shirtless black dudes walking in unison at this like fashion show or something. I, I never took notice, man. I thought so. I, swear, I never did like until this last until this last watch. I never really paid attention to what the hell she was watching. I never cared, but then I just happened to see like these guys walking like shirtless, and I'm like, "What the fuck is she watching?" Uh. So they go out. He's like, "Never mind, uh nothing here." They leave, and she gives her the he gives her the warrant. It's the Chinese menu. Yeah, you that he took money.
3: You you get a brief shot when Jake's in the living room with 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 Macy's character see and, and Demetrius. You you see him as he's tossing the bedroom, you just see him from behind the back, kinda like, you know, surreptitiously shove something down the front of his pants, but you don't see what it is. And then immediately he's like, Sorry, we were wrong, sorry for the inconvenience. And then he hands her the hop sings the fucking menu on the <laughs> and way. As out they're going the door.
2: out to the car, she yells out to all the neighborhood, you know, gangsters and shit, like, you know, that they fucking they, they stole from her and shit, you know, they fucking kill them. So they start firing off of Denzel and, and, and Hoyt and Alonzo just not even batting an eye, whips out his guns and just starts yep. firing, firing. He's like, yeah, oh, he's, he's got a pair of like little a, piggies.
3: Yeah, he's got like a pair of nickel-plated desert eagles. He's got one held upright, one cocked to the side. He's just marching towards them, not dodging bullets. He is Denzel like a motherfucker in this scene,
2: man. Oh, he is. Definitely. So they leave Hoyt's driving. Hoyt flips out about what Alonzo really did. And he says to him, it's open season misconduct. They will nail us to the wall. So this is when Alonzo makes Jake pull over on the highway. And he lectures him about the job and says, if the job shakes him up, then he's got to decide whether he wants to be a wolf or a sheep. Tells him to get his ink. Or go get that guy over there a hand, and it alludes to a cop who's helping a civilian out with changing a tire on the high on the side of the highway. So, Jake's still in it. They drive off and they go to Alonzo's mistress's apartment. This is uh Imperial Gardens, which is a real life fucking deep deep neighborhood where I was um was surprised to hear that they allowed camera crews and stuff the to, to film because like uh, any other situation, this shit would not be happening. It's like they were well, a
3: the has got a little bit of street cred with that with that scene, and because right. of this film, and I'm going to talk about this after we do the breakdown. Um, it gave Air a bit of cred for which is unheard of for a white guy in fucking you know South Central. Um, a little bit of that same type of cred, um, but yeah, yeah. they, with the, they, they use um, you know Imperial as it stands in for what they call the jungle, and Alonzo's like, don't you ever come in here without me, you know. Mm-hmm. and Jake's okay. like, yeah, I heard you want to come in. You come in with a battalion. You come into this joint. Cause it is like a peninsula. It's like one way in, one way out. Nothing yeah. but a bunch of, you know, fucking runners and homeboys on the streets. That one dude rolls up on the butt on the low rider bicycle, bike, just knee yeah. bugging him.
2: As and he just got
3: you. that look like that guy scares the shit out of me. And I'm on the other side of the TV. <laughs> and he's freaking me out.
0: Of it, right here, jungle, domo, headquarters stones. Yeah, a lot of murder investigations lead right here. One way in, one way
1: out. So we're gonna get something to eat.
0: And don't ever come up here without me. You hear me? I'm serious for your safety.
2: We see the backside of Terry Crews, who's uh flipping pigeons by clapping. Uh, that's to alert the neighborhood of uh, Alonzo's presence. So then they get to the house and his mistress is played by Eva Mendes. Yeah. And Sarah uh, and her son, who they go to the back. But beforehand, she makes them up some food and she, uh, I'm not going to lie. I've always wanted to try her El Salvadoran food. It it looks looks okay. Yeah, it looks delicious. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, it it, looked—I don't know—it looked to me
3: like I don't know enchiladas and some dirty rice.
2: And I love that. Uh, My favorite fucking food is Mexican food. So I know you're a sucker
3: for it. You and Mandy both love Mexican food.
2: Love it to death. So there in the back, he's getting his afternoon delight, as you say.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's what he's the only reason there. Salado can get his afternoon delight with his old lady. (laughs)
2: You know, and a couple hours have passed. We don't really know how much time exactly, but we um, we see Alonzo wake Jacob, up, who's taking a nap on the couch with uh, his son. Uh, they're kind of sleeping, you know, over his arms and stuff. Yeah,
3: Alonzo just presses the barrel of his gun against Jake's knee to wake him up. Gun
2: barrel. Yes, yes, yes. He says, uh, we got to head to see the three wise men. Got to meet in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So beforehand, we see Alonzo have this, like, powerful question mark talk with his son first uh probably about not getting too close with jake since he just saw them napping together again not really knowing the details of it because this is uh one of the few times that the s bend that the, the language is not being translated there's no subtitles it's just him yeah i mean <laughs> you,
3: you you pick it up from inference but unless you speak the language you don't know exactly what's being said right
0: Come on, Stan. paras bien?
1: Si. Sí. Si. ¿Sí? Está. Creciendo, papecito. Creciendo.
0: ¿Yo okay? qué? Si.
3: Sí.
2: And then we get the three wise men scene at the uh, at the steakhouse. Jake has to clean his eyes for us with Visee before they go in. Right. Uh, quick intro. And then he had, tells him to scoop scram. Go sit at the table. Have yourself a nice baseball. Baseball. Yeah. Steak. Get
3: yourself a nice baseball steak. The hell's so, a baseball steak. I've
2: heard the term before.
3: It's it's a large steak. It's just like a big so like T bone or sirloin or something. It's a large expensive that's what I, steak. That's why I that's I imagined yeah. it. Yeah, I imagine it'd be like a twenty three dollar fucking <laughs>
2: hunk of meat. So we have the three wise men here: Raymond Barry, Tom Barringer, and Harris Yeah. Yep. Berring, uh Raymond Barry is the first to speak. He's Captain Lou Jacobs. He says he don't talk. He's like I don't know why you're here, Alonzo. I don't talk to ghosts. And he said, "He's like, I'm not dead yet. Fuck you." And uh, this is when Berenjor speaks up. He's, he wants to know. He like, "I heard you had an expensive trip here
3: to Vegas. Yeah, your expensive weekend in Vegas. So let's clarify to who these three, where these three roles are. So Raymond Barry is the captain, who's basically like your literal liaison yes. between the department, yes. internal affairs, and God forbid the feds. Mm-hmm. And then um, Berenjor's character, Gersky." He is basically. He works in the DA's office, and he's the guy who, if, if you pull the trigger on a job, he's the guy who's you you, you got to talk to. He's going to cover your ass or cut your balls off and roll dice with him. And um, Harris Yulin is just some, you know, career credentialed, plain clothes detective who specializes with, you know, the million-dollar crowd. Like Alonzo says, he's like, in the, you know, somebody steals a you know, million-dollar piece of art. He's your guy.
2: Who's smoking you a know. nice stogie, too. Yeah, he's smoking. He's smoking.
3: It's easy, like, a $17
2: cigar. Hell, yeah. Probably more than that. I think yeah. fucking long. That's a long cigar.
3: Yeah, yeah it's a big one.
2: So, yeah, Behringer <laughs> says he wants to know how Alonzo managed to fuck up so badly in Vegas. Uh, and then Yulin uh, tells a story of how he was chasing a cereal burger for 12 months and gave up nothing. So his sentencing was earlier in the, in the day. So we got a hold of some chunky Jif peanut butter and smeared it all over his ass crack so that when he uh, faced the judge, he was putting his hand down back there and pulling it out and licking his fucking fingers clean of the stuff. So the judge says that he's a. Emotionally unstable and gives him six months of psychiatric evaluation. He'll never serve a day in court. Or he'll never serve a day in prison. And Alonzo acknowledges him for playing this system.
5: Come on, tell the story. You think it's so funny, you tell. No, no. It's your story. You tell it. (laughs) 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 All All right, all right, all right. This is serial burglars. Chasing him for 12 months and real slickster gave up nothing. Captain's riding my ass the entire time. Sentencing was today. Judge's female. That's right. Landers.
0: Yeah, I know Landers. She's a shop lady. <laughs> <laughs> no?
5: no? So before the hearing, guy gets hold of some peanut butter, packs his ass crack with it. What? <laughs> and he's standing tall before the bench and he's waiting to give a statement. So he shoves his hand down his pants, comes out with a gob of extra chunky jiff. Right, so <laughs> Bailiffs won't come near
4: him. <laughs> now, he's, now
5: he's looking the judge right in the eyes. He licks his fingers clean.
4: <laughs>
5: shit. So judge says, uh oh this poor man's insane he can't go to prison <laughs> orders him to psychiatric she fell for it yeah that's because he's so fucking smart yeah <laughs> the time she found out it was sandwich spread the order was signed the guy's been transferred
4: <laughs> <laughs>
5: proceedings
0: closed.
5: yeah closed. <laughs> <laughs> that sprinkled do six months in the puzzle factory then they'll call him normal and
0: let him loose never <laughs> ever do a day in prison yeah, give him credit, though. Shit, he worked the system. Deserves his freedom. Yeah? Think so? Or not. i tell you what. I'm
5: going to find this guy on the street. And I'm going to do it. Ted
3: <laughs> uh, is like, the guy's going to do six months in a puzzle factory and don't cut him loose. Yeah. <laughs> the so, puzzle factory. <laughs> I like that a lot.
2: Eulen, his character is Doug Roselli. Yes, He's Roselli. Roselli wants to track him down and put a bullet in him himself. Aware of the <clears throat> Russian mafia is hunting Alonzo, they all suggest that he uh, Alonzo skips town. Alonzo insists that he has control of the situation. He's going to use one of his guys' tax money, and uh, he wants to trade uh, the Sandman's drug money that he just got the forty k. He wants to trade it to uh, Behringer's character, um, uh, Grosky, uh, for. Uh, arrest warrant.
3: Yeah, basically, he he, he grabs a shrink wrapped, you know, bundle of cash and just drops it in in the trunk of Gersky's right. Mercedes, and that's where I was. You know, that that whole lunch scene at the steakhouse just to me shows exactly what is wrong with the criminal justice system. You know, these guys over lunch can can decide your overall fate whether you're guilty or not. You need a warrant? All right, I'll be forty grand. I'll give you permission to go into his house. Yeah, you know, it's kind of fucked up, but you know, it's it's the whole Swiss? system's broken. Yeah, the whole ah. system's broken. What are we gonna
2: do? Okay, so I also want to mention that this scene almost did not make the final cut. Warner really? Brothers wanted to cut it. Warner Brothers wanted them to skip it all together, cancel it out. I mean, whatever. Just they did They thought it just slowed down the story. I think that it's a pivotal scene, and it, it would have behooved him to 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 do such a thing. It's it's not. This is a scene you need. This is an important uh, scene. Yeah, not only does it give the audience a chance to catch its breath, but it
3: builds. You know, it, it helps establish the. You know. Uh, the, uh, the plot that's still kind of coming together that you don't really quite know yet, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's, there's two, it goes twofold why that film, that scene needs to be included.
2: All right. So now, now that everything is a go, Alonzo calls up his back, his, uh, his crew, uh, detective Paul played by Dr. Dre. Detective Jeff played by Peter green. Peter green. That's his name. Yeah. Detective Tim played by Nick Chinlin. And Detective Mark and his nice suit played by (laughs) Jamie P. Gomez. So they all meet up at a helipad high above the LA skyline. Gorgeous shot of the city up there, by the way. Yeah. Everyone balks at Jake being there with him because he's a rookie. Such a high-risk job. Alonzo says he's got to get his cherry pops sometime. So they're all meeting basically to go raid. Roger for the yeah. money that he has, and this is the money. This is the tax money that he was talking about with the three wise men.
3: Uh, yeah, yeah, because we kind of skipped over that bit of the conversation when they're when they're talking about you know Alonzo, what are you gonna do to square up with the Russ? You, yeah, I got money in the account. Like yeah, which yeah, one? I was, saving, one? It, I was
2: saving it for this. It's,
3: yeah. Okay. Yeah, because Alonzo's like I got money in the account. He's uh, one of my first ones. What you know? What's he gonna do if I'm off the street? He ain't gonna cover his ass. So he just kind of figures he could roll over on Roger. Roger'll just fucking take it. Because Alonzo needs that money more than Roger does. is just going to come in and take that shit.
2: Yeah. And they're going to raid Raj. It's for, uh, he, he's trying to get $3 million, but he's got an extra million there that they all split. That he, he keeps for himself. And they, they, they divide it. See, I was confused about this. So there's six of them total. they're going to divide this extra million up by six because he tosses it to Peter Green. He's like, that's a half million dollars in your hand right there. I thought
3: it was, I thought it was was a quarter million in that one.
2: That's what I meant. A quarter million, not a half. I meant a quarter. He tosses in the brick and he's like, you know, that's a quarter million dollars in your hand. It's just one brick. And there's like a hundred bricks in this thing. And I'm, I'm confused about the, the way, you know, the, 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 the money and the sums it, it does it doesn't add up and I'm, maybe I'm missing something, um, but it's a lot of fucking money. Well, Alonzo so,
3: could have also been rounding up too, you know, when he yeah, mentions what's true. in that bundle. You know, that's either true. way, I mean, shit, split a split a million dollars four ways or six, ways. either way, I'll I'll take a piece of that cut, man. I mean, just fucking take care of me for a while.
2: Because he's using this money to give the to Russians to fucking save his ass for killing the guy in Vegas. Yeah he's, yeah,
3: he's basically, yeah, he's, he's, you know, what you find out, what's later established, um, that we'll get into when they get to, you know, when they get to the Vatolds. But, uh, yeah, Lonzo's got a, a got a million dollar, you know, a million dollar price tag that comes due at midnight. Basically.
2: For some fucked so, up shit that happened in Vegas. So they go after they get the money. Now I should mention how they get the money. It's it's buried in his kitchen underneath all the floor panels and stuff. They yeah, they got to like rip up the linoleum
3: the and you know cut through the floor. It's a big like steamer trunk almost,
2: and they just have Jake, filled to the
3: top with cash all shrink wrapped.
2: Jake shovels out all the dirt to get to it. It's literally buried down deep in his kitchen underneath all that dirt. So they get the they get the money out and then they gotta you know they gotta cover their tracks so roger's gotta go roger don't know this he thinks they're fucking with him and playing around so he's he's on the joke too he's laughing with them he's like come on kid. he 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 sits down he orders jake to sit down next to him on the couch in front of jail in front of roger and he's got a shotgun in hand and he says what are you gonna do kill him he's like nope you are and he's sitting there like you serious and he's looking at roger and roger's like come on put me out of my misery kid and he's because he You know, he's not expecting to die at at doing this. He thinks that you know, Alonzo's buddy buddy with him and shit. So, um, I fucking love in this scene here when you look at Alonzo because he orders everybody to close the blinds. The lower half of his face is in total darkness. Uh huh. It's like it showcases his evil. I love it. Yeah, yeah. It's something about that. Yeah, it's
3: it's one of them film war tricks that 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 employs um you know in 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 the staging of the shot if you will yeah it's it's very cool i took i I took notice on that too
2: after obviously jake won't do it Londra gets up with the gun and he turns and he shoots blast roger boy blank dude right in the chest with a fucking 20-06 man and he's just looking at him like come on man breathe breathe breathe
3: And then, Uh, boom, you just watch the life just kind of walk out of Scott Glenn.
2: Yeah. And Jake's fucking freaking out. And he says, Mm -hmm. it's not about what you know. It's what you can prove. What you can prove. He's like, hey, hey, hey. You want to go to jail or you want to go home? Let me quarterback this thing. Mark, Paul, you kick the door down. Jeff's the first one in. Roger shoots Jeff twice. Bang, bang. Our new guy, Hoyt, he's in second. Drops Roger some fine shotgun work. Now, who shot Roger? New guy new guy kiss
0: me baby one yeah you all right yeah all right i gotta give you one more though do it
4: oh fuck
0: all right listen it's not what you know it's what you can prove okay here's a scenario mark and paul you kick the door jeff's the first one through roger opens fire hits jeff twice right fuck yeah fuck Matter one go through? Shit! Yeah, man, you shot him.
3: You fucking shot me, man!
0: All right, all right, you'll get a medal. Don't worry about it. Get me an injury. Hey, 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 hey! You want to go to jail? You want to go home? All right. Here's the scenario. All right. Let me quarterback this thing. Mark, Paul, you kick the door in. Jeff's the first one through. Roger opens fire. Bang, bang! Hits Jeff twice. Our new guy, Hoyt, he's in second, drops Roger with some fine shotgun work. Who shot Roger?
3: New guy came in spraying. Paul.
0: Boot shot him. What'd you guys see? Hoyt blasted. Yeah, fuck Hoyt, okay? Ambulance time. Done. Pause. Call him up.
2: They're all saying new guys shot Roger. You've new guys. Like, um. So Hoyt, not uh, that's Hoyt. So Alonzo basically threatens him with, with the gun himself. Like, you know, he, he starts saying, you know, Tragic incident happened today. Yeah, you know? hold on, hold on. I got, I, got, I got a biff. Okay, yeah, so, right.
3: so yeah, like he's like, like he's trying to go over, like, like he's playing pros and cons with Jake, like trying to get,
2: so he's get a medal of honor.
3: Right, so you're gonna get a medal of honor for this, and Jake's still trying, he's wrestling with the morality of it. And you know, you can see Jake's not willing to budge and start playing dirty like the rest of his crew, and there's like a there's a beat of silence and you're focused on fucking Alonzo, you know, like, and, and he just making an eye contact with Jake and he just looks him in the eye and he goes, a Los Angeles police department narcotics agent was killed today, serving a high risk warrant in echo park. He is survived by his wife and infant child. <laughs> just fucking look him dead in the eye and he's reading off the fucking news report that's about to be written about the dude because him and his boy is going to off him. You know, and it's just such a hardcore moment when like, he just takes that shift. He's trying to sell him, knows he can't sell him, and then he just looks him dead in the eye and without telling him he's going to kill him, he tells him in an even creepier way that he's going to kill him. You know what I mean? And, yeah, that, then- and And that line of dialogue comes back later on.
2: But then he, he suddenly turns the tables and out of nowhere drops Alonzo with the gun saying that that's the second time he's pointed the gun at him and there won't be a won't third. won't be a third. Yep. So then we got ourselves a little Mexican standoff going on here. Uh-huh. Everyone pointing guns at everybody else. Yep. And he eventually Alonzo eventually talks himself out of the situation by assuring Jake that he'll give him a career as a detective in 18 months if he sticks with him. It's revealed that he's been planning all this all week. Start with the drugs he made him smoke in the beginning. He uses that to his own advantage. It's, well, it's shit for sure.
3: Did you did you happen to notice? So after this, this all breaks down. And, you know, then the next scene is is Jake and Alonzo back at the uh, at the office, if you will, outside, you know, the Monte Carlo. Um, Jake's still kind of struggling with everything, standing in front of the car. And Alonzo's on his phone. Do you hear what Alonzo says? As he's sitting in the driver's seat as he ends that call right before Jake gets in and they have this conversation. Did you hear what Alonzo says on the phone?
2: Refresh my memory, I don't remember. Um he
3: he actually he actually says, uh, make sure the bathtub's clean, homie.
2: Ah uh,
3: Yeah foreshadowing yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I just picked that up, but yeah, he's on the call. He's on that fucking call with Smiley. He is setting like Alonzo's had this shit in, you know, planned out, you know, since he got back from Vegas. And Jake is just, has been nothing but a pawn in his fucking game the whole time. But yeah, he's, yeah, the last thing he says on that phone right before him and Jake had that conversation in the front seat about, you give me, you know, you give me 18 months, I'll give you a career. Last thing he says is make sure that bathroom, make sure that bathtub's clean, homie. Yeah, you never called that before.
2: No, I haven't. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Before the scene ends, we see uh, Jake punch Paul, which is uh, Doctor Dre, right in the face. I'm gonna kill you, motherfucker. So Jake accuses Alonzo of killing his own friend, but Alonzo tells him that he wasn't a friend. That is part of the game. What, because he knew my first name? (laughs) He's he's like, he's so dope to kids. The world is a better place without him. He was a high roller. He gives Jake his cut of the money, but but Jake refuses. Jake says it can't be like this, but Alonzo apologizes and says it is like this. He's sorry, but it is. He tells him he's scared, that he was scared too at one point. He continues to harden, toy it up, saying that eventually that he can give him the keys to all the doors, even telling him he, he can have his job. If he plays the game and changes things, but he's got to change them from the inside. He tells him that he's got he's not the guy on the inside. He's, he's got a guy on the inside named Stan. who can talk him through the D.A. guys before the scene ends. Um, he's talking about him. Gursky. He's he's talking about Stan Gursky. Yeah. He's talking about it, Tom it, Mariger. Yeah. Beautiful sunset shot. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Love it. Before the uh, you see Alonzo and Jake arriving to Smiley's, he brings a blunder box and some food, saying that he's an old informant that he promises to take care of his family. Turns out that box was cash inside that he's using to pay uh, Smiley and his crew to take care of Hoyt, unbeknownst to Hoyt. So, Jake goes, they're all, they're all inside in the kitchen. Well, hold on, hold on.
3: Let's do, let's do a little roll call man. You got the the legendary Cliff Curtis playing Smiley.
2: Hold up. I'm getting there. Hang on. Oh, okay. So, okay. Okay. At the we're in the kitchen and Alonzo says he's got to go use the head and they're out of there. Um so while Jake's waiting we see Cliff Curtis. We see um Noel, Raymond Cruz. Uh no. Guglielmi. me. Yeah, and we see Raymond Cruz, all Raymond
3: Cruz, covers. yeah, smi- yeah, Smiley Sniper. It's interesting too if you if you look up if you look up Guglielmi's CV. Like I hate to say it, I mean obviously the guy's been getting work, but he he has played a character named Hector. Hector, fucking like my notes here. Like, I, I like, was gonna like say fucking forty percent of his career he's, he's played Hector.
2: I I said in my notes here he's playing someone not named Hector for a change. His name right. in the film is Marino. <laughs> right. Um, I'm glad you picked up on that. <laughs> yeah, I always have. I've, I've yeah, always I'm, a I'm a big, I'm a big Fast and Furious fan. That's his character's name in that movie too. Uh, is,
3: is he in that and he plays Hector in the Fast yeah, and Furious franchise?
2: Hector. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um. So you can actually while uh, Jake eventually sits down to play cards with them because he's because sniper says he's dry, he's taking a shit. Come on, sit down. I'm taking a shit. It's gonna be a little while. So when he goes to sit down and takes and he's dealt his hand. You can hear Alonzo yeah, you, pulling out. Yeah, you hear the Monte Carlo
3: take off. Jake doesn't yeah. put it together, but you hear. It.
2: And that's when uh Jake's talking to Merino, and then we see Smiley uh, get a text right after that. And that's that's you know indicating that he's gone. It's revealed here why the Russians are after Alonzo and how they're on to him for a million. Yeah, basically so, what happened is is Alonzo
3: was was in Vegas and, and you know, he had, had, you know, they were at a Probably a casino, or whatever, and he gets into a you know a verbal argument with some guy and beats his ass to death before realizing the guy's made in the Russian mob, and now there's a million dollar price tag on Alonzo's head. He's got till midnight to deliver.
2: Exactly, and right now he has that money, so he's good. Yeah. Um. So. They t- he, he knows, Jake realizes what's up, and, Hector, and not Hector. <laughs> Moreno says, you know, if you ask me, Holmes, I think Alonzo played you for a fool.
3: So, yeah, because they got his gun off of him, you know, and he's like, <clears throat> and they, they, they kind of took the rounds out of his gun and shit. They was like, totally
2: fucking with him, man. It they, like,
3: there's such tension in this scene, man.
2: And Smiley tells him look, look, look out the window. The car's not there anymore. That's
1: why I never shake his hand, Holmes. He don't respect nada. You know what the money's for? <coughs> Alonso, he's a hothead. Last week in Vegas, some Russian starts talking shit. Alonso, he just snapped. Beat his ass to death. Well, turns out that Russian. He's a somebody. Now, Alonso, he's into the Russians for a million. How do you know that? <clears throat> so, They gave Alonzo till tonight to pay up. But his name's still on the list, huh? Nobody thought he could get cash that big. Good thing he got his blood money, because there's a crew on standby. If he don't turn up downtown with the cash by midnight and not a minute after, you know what, though? He's dead. Hey, pig, you ever had your shit pushed in? (laughs) Your shit pushed in? Simple question. Nah. Yeah. Had my shit pushed in. Oh yeah, man! I had my shit pushed in, bro, big time.
2: <laughs> Realizing he's in a pinch, he punches Smiley and goes to dart out, but he's just—he gets a bottle broken over his head by uh, yep. Marino. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then they're stomping him, and then he tries to make up in the living room, and the, the, the there's a bunch of uh, women in there, and the girls—the one woman's like. Yo, Holmes, you really fucked him up. Yeah. So they drag him into the bathroom. I fucking love this lingering close-up shot on Ethan Hawke as he's being dragged into the bathroom. Yeah, like, dragged down the hall. It's like this close-up shot on him from the floor as he's being dragged, and he's just, like, screaming. It's a great shot. Um, And before they... And they puts him in the tub. They, you know, put the curtain around, even though Marino wants to see it himself. He, he keeps on opening it back up. He goes to take money out of his pocket and he finds the wallet of the girl that he rescued earlier in the alleyway. Yeah. This is where this plays a part in the story because this girl turns out to be Smiley's little cousin. So he doesn't believe, he thinks it's bullshit and that he actually attacked her himself. So he goes, he's like, you know, I want to, you know, get this all figured out real quick. <laughs> and he sits down and he whoops out his cell phone and calls her up. And she eventually admits to ditching school and being attacked by these two guys in an alley until this white boy cop saved her. And uh, yeah, he said that he, you know, motherfucker was telling the truth. So, and then he apologizes, said it's only business. He hopes he knows that. And uh, um gives him a towel. He's like, here, put, use this for your head. You're getting bubbled on my floor. <laughs> so we get a menacing menacing vengeful looking Hoyt taking the bus to the projects with his piece. Right. We see Hoyt walk the streets with he's coming into the jungle all by
3: himself, man.
2: All towards Alonzo. We got voiceover from someone asking what he's doing there. We hear someone else call him a rookie. So you're gonna Um, need more than that come around here, boy. With the neighborhood allowing him to do so he goes he, he says he's there for Alonzo and he just the guy backs up allows him to walk through yeah basically that's, that's like uh,
3: i think terry cruz delivers his one line of dialogue in this scene
2: and the guy who lets him go by refers to him as a rookie uh, and he's the guy at the gate and that's four times now so yeah. yeah he goes and he sees uh he sees alonzo's son watching tv like earlier so he takes some pebbles throws it out the window to get his attention and, you know, asks if his dad's in the bedroom. He says he is. And he asked him to let him inside. So he comes in acting quietly. He goes to the back room, opens the door freeze. We got fuck ass naked Eva Mendez on the fucking bed. We got Alonzo counting his money and he just starts clapping And he's like, Congratulations, you passed the test. You passed the test. test. This has been a test. It's like, fucking kidding me? Bullshit in his way again. So we see that he's got a a shotgun underneath of the bed. How many? Well, yeah. Jake
3: Jake has him unload his person. So Alonzo's got his typical dual shoulder horses with the nickel plated Mm -hmm. desert eagles and shit. And Jake gets him to unload all his personal firearms into this fucking pillowcase. And Alonzo's got like four or five guns on him. He dumps them all in the pillowcase, hands it to Jake. And that's when Alonzo drops down. and He's got the, he's got a shotgun, like a hook to a swivel underneath the bed frame, basically.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, how many people do you come across in your house where you have to use this? You know, what well, I mean?
3: look where he lives, look who he is and look what he does. That's a pretty smart move. If you ask me.
2: So gunfight, uh, ends up turning into a chase after he escapes through the window. He chases after Alonzo up to the roof. They get into a fight. The fight goes to the streets. And all yep. Everyone around the neighborhood comes and, and watches. Um, and this is when he offers, you know, money. If anybody out there wants to, you know, put a bullet in them, he's going to pay yeah, well it's,
3: and And this, I made note here too. This is like, this is... Is where you realize, or if you didn't already, right, it's kind of smacks you over the head with it. Alonzo is literally a power-hungry tyrant, and everybody in his fiefdom fears him, but they can't wait for him to fall at somebody else's hands, and it's now happening at their feet. You yeah, know, right like The it, whole dude. the whole hood is crowded around. You know this showdown, this fight between you know Hoyt and and Harris. You know. And yeah, Alonzo off, you know, he's kind of like beat the shit, crawling on the ground. He offers, you know,
2: he's defeated. Couple, right. He he's defeated. And then he offers money to someone to put a bullet in Jake, but no one wants to do it. So that's where the dialogue. Yeah, bone.
3: yeah, Bones, like, you put your own work in around here, homie.
2: <laughs> yes. And this is where we that memorable dialogue.
3: Yeah. And he's like, player to player, pimp to pimp. And he's like still trying to say that he's got blood running down his face. He's been you know, kind of beat the shit, stumbling to get to his feet, you know?
2: So, yeah, Jake takes the cash, and he intends to submit it as criminal evidence against Alonzo. And, yeah, the the, the neighborhood gang, they with that, they allow Jake to leave. Yeah, to, like, Alonzo turns back, Jake, Jake shoots him in the ass. He's like, ah, you shot me in the
3: uh,
1: ass. Yeah.
2: You were, you know, were going to shoot me. You were going to shoot me. And Motherfucker.
3: Yep, and then Bone, Bone just looks at me. He's going, Jake, you good. We got we got you back.
0: And then I'm going to get that money. I don't believe you got it in you, Jake. I'm going to go get it right now.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Oh,
0: you motherfucker. The next one will kill you. Oh, son of a bitch. You shot me in the ass. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Okay, okay. Okay. All right, look. I need the money. Give me the money, Jake. Give me the money, please, Jake. Give me that money! It's not gonna happen. What well, you to do? You to jack me now? You gonna take my own money from me, huh? I told you, that's my evidence. You wanna go to jail, you wanna go home. I wanna go home, Jake. Come on. Give me the money and let me go home. Yeah, yeah. You wanna go home? Yeah, let me go home, Jake. Come on, give me the money and let me go home. Give me the money and let me go home.
1: You don't deserve this. Okay, you
5: motherfucker. Jake, go ahead and bounce on me. Get up out of here. We got your back.
0: What? Just like that. Oh, no, you didn't. Wait a minute. No, you didn't. Hey, hey, Jake!
1: Hey! Jake! 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 Come back here! Jake!
0: You disloyal, fool-ass, bitch-made punk. Jake! I
1: need my money! Jake!
0: Oh, you motherfuckers. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'm putting cases on all you bitches. Huh? You think you can do this shit? Jake! You think you can do this to me? You motherfuckers will be playing basketball in Pelican Bay when I get finished with you. Shoe program, nigga. 23 hour lockdown. I'm the man up in this piece. You'll never see the light of Dude, the fuck you think you fucking with. I'm the police. I run shit here. You just live here. Yeah, that's right, you better walk away. Go and walk away, because I'm going to burn this motherfucker down. King Kong
3: ain't got shit on me. Now, Jake has fucking clout in the jungle for a skinny white boy. That guy just put his fucking worth in one evening. He can now roll up down there you know.
2: So Alonzo is now fleeing for his life. yeah it's always he,
3: he delivers that great line. He's like, I'm putting cases on all you bitches. y'all be playing basketball in Pelican
2: Bay. King Kong ain't got shit on me So he gets uh, he gets ambushed he's, he's at this uh, intersection sees a woman to his left in an SUV light up a cigarette and uh-huh. all of a sudden he goes to take off and then Kind of like in a similar fashion that the way he uh, stopped the, the, the college kids earlier. They could just, yeah. they just fucking it's box a pit him movie. in. Yeah, they box, they box, him, box in. him in. And they blast him. They fucking blast. Him. Yeah, I mean
3: he's the way they they unload on the on the Monte Carlo, and he still stumbles out the way he stumbles out like he's, you know, legs are jelly. He's gasping for breath, and they fill him full of lead, like it rivals you know the Sonny Corleone death scene at the toll booth with Jimmy Conn and Godfather mm-hmm. man. They fill him yeah. full of so much lead. Now, interesting little tidbit. I read this while watching the movie and, and, you know, he goes uncredited and even he's on screen. He's got a master. You know, David Ayer plays one of those hitmen.
2: Yeah. I read that somewhere.
3: Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't I know which one out, he is. No, yeah, they all got like ski masks on, but yeah. Yeah. Writer David Ayer is one of the, is one of the Russian hitmen pulling the trigger on,
2: on Alonzo at that underpass. Nice. So, um, I do know the guy who played bone, is mm-hmm. uh that's his name in real? That's his nickname in real life. He's an yeah, actual, yeah yeah um he's a, he's still he's a member of the the Bloods. Yeah, he's he's an active gang member. I knew that for a fact. Mm-hmm. So he uh, was in some other films too. He was uh-huh. also in Street Kings, which I had, uh, actually didn't do my honorable mentions before for the top five. But yeah, Street. He was in Street Kings, another film that I'm a big fan of, Brooklyn's Finest, End of watch. And he was also in right the last that David Ayer film with uh, Will Will Smith yeah well
3: like I said I mean because of this Ayer kind of has like the Jake Hoyt pass to the streets now you know because this was kind of the beginning of like and, and when David Ayer writes or directs a film you can kind of feel like that thumbprint on it like one of my favorite movies um, that, that goes unrecognized is a film he wrote and directed called Harsh Times
2: yeah, you know, I own that movie.
3: Good. Yeah, it's, so do I. So good. do I. It's a great film. Christian Bale. Um, yeah, Christian Bale. <laughs> yeah, um, but again, it's got that David Ayer feel with the sweaty, gritty, you know, crime-ridden streets of East LA. Mm-hmm.
2: So yeah, uh, film ends of Jake going home as reports uh, are, are heard. And, of a lot, and think, this yeah. is
3: and this is where it mirrors. Like you hear, like it's Jake getting out of his car, walking into the house. You hear that. You hear the rate. The, the the news report come over the radio. A Los Angeles Police Department narcotics <laughs> agent was killed today serving a high-risk warrant near the Los Angeles International Airport. He is survived by four children. It's the exact same line. A Los Angeles Police Department
2: Officer Alonzo Harris
3: was survived by his wife and four sons. A highly decorated officer and 13-year LAPD And that's how the movie ends is with that fucking voiceover
2: announcing Alonzo's death. All right. I actually have two new categories for this episode. I'm going to start one right here. Episode, category I'm going to be calling Trivia Tidbits.
0: Now remember that. Because the more you
2: know. I got some trivia for the film. I'm going to go down. Uh, So the first one I got here. The line King Kong A got shit on me. Was actually ad-libbed by Denzel. Was not in the script. Denzel has frequently said that Alonzo Harris is his favorite character that he's played. Um,
3: Understandably so.
2: Tobey Maguire was under... Serious consideration for Jake Hoyt. It wouldn't he, have worked. He even followed undercover narcotics officers in LA for two months and gained weight for the role. He was then dropped when Ethan Hawke, who was Fuqua's uh, first choice, um, he was finally uh, made available to do the role. So at that point, um, Jake, uh, uh, Toby McGuire, was. Which is funny because his doppelganger. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal was in David Ayer's End of Watch,
3: Mm -hmm. Uh, which I couldn't. I couldn't finish, and it's all because it's that whole. It's almost shot majority like a found footage type film. It's it's a one and done for me. I I didn't. I I was a little. I was real like Mandy. Really, really, really wanted to. I think I bought it on Blu-ray for Mandy because she was like, I really want to check this out, and I didn't realize going in that that's what it was going to be like, and I had to dip out like forty-five minutes in. I tapped out. I can't, ever since Blair Witch, it's the last time I could stand that type of movie. Mm.
2: Yeah. Uh, David Ayer was the only writer to work on the script. Yeah. Such yeah. a rarity that it merited a congratulatory call from the chairman of Warner Brothers after the film came out. Ethan Hawke was nominated for an Oscar for Best Actor in a Supporting Role, despite the fact that he has more screen time in the film than his co-star, Denzel, who was also nominated and won the Oscar for Best Actor in a Leading Role. Yeah, I've always thought that Ethan was the star of this movie. I mean, I am confused. Why it's not, not like one above. It's it's
3: it's really not not not. It's not like one above the other. You know. I mean, they're both prominent characters throughout the whole run. I mean, you're going to count it to who has more lines, who shows up on screen more, um, who carries more of an impact. I mean, how do you judge that? Some, you know lead versus supporting. You know, it's kind of like that debacle that went down. Just this past season, with the um, the uh, what was it that the the, the 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 that Black Panther movie with Lakeith Stanfield and uh, right. Daniel Kaluuya, they both got supporting actors. One of them was a fucking lead, you know. I don't I don't get that.
2: Yeah. The word "fuck" is used 211 times. Also, all for the role of Hoyt were considered were Eminem, Christian mm-hmm. Bale, Mark Wahlberg, and Ryan Philippi Let's see, Eva Mendez said in a 2014, uh, 2014 interview that it was her idea to be nude in the film. She suggested it to uh, director Antoine Fuqua, who joined filming, and he agreed. She said, I've never had a problem with nudity, but I don't put it out there without a reason. I'm not an exhibitionist, but honestly, for my art, I'll do anything. I'll do, I'll do almost anything. Uh, despite being rated R for strong, brutal violence, only two people were killed. Roger and Alonzo. Yeah. So yeah, box office receipts.
5: In the operational funds box, we will deposit 250000 American dollars.
2: You take it out,
5: we put
3: more in. I want receipts.
2: So Training Day premiered September 2nd, 2001 at the 58th Venice International Film Festival. Uh, it was released a month later, October 5th, from Warner Brothers. Again, it was supposed to come out uh, a month earlier, but uh, 9 11 pushed it back a few weeks. Uh, It was released across 2,712 screens. Opening weekend, number one, making 22.5 million. Second weekend, it dropped 40.6% to gross 13.3 million, still holding on to that number one spot. The total gross. Uh, worldwide on the film was 104.9 million against a 45 million dollar budget uh, So how did we get here
5: This hey, sketch How did we get here?
1: I led you here, sir, for I am Spartacus.
2: So Although corruption in L.A.'s crash unit was yet to be exposed when Training Day was written, Antoine Foucault has stated that the emergence of the rampart Scandal in the late 90s catalyzed the completion of the film. Denzel Washington also grew a beard in order to um, emulate the appearance of Rafael Perez. Yeah, Rafael Perez. Rafael.
3: There's, been, there's been several crooked several crooked cops that picked on a film based on that guy.
2: Yeah, that's uh, who he was pretty much doing a play on or a bit on. Uh, Fuqua wanted Washington's character to uh, be seductive and part of a machine, not just a random road cop. In Washington's own words, I think in some ways he's done his job too well. He's learned how to manipulate, how to push the line further and further, and in the process, he's become more hardcore than some of the guys he's chasing. Yeah. Uh Fuqua to put it. Koukou also saw Ethan Hawke's character as generally honorable, but so driven by ambition that he was willing to compromise his principles, particularly when following the charming and persuasive um, example of Washington's character. He has said that he fought with studio executives who wanted to cut the three Wiseman scene, allowing it, uh, thinking that it slowed down the film. He insisted that the Wiseman scene was pivotal in establishing that at least some of Alonzo's illegal actions were, sanctionized, were sanctioned by his uh, superiors who regarded unethical behavior as necessary evil. Uh, Foucault wanted training day to look as authentic as possible, and he shot on location in some of the most inf- infamous neighborhoods of L.A. He even com- uh, obtained permission to shoot in the imperial courts projects, which we talked about earlier during the breakdown. And, and, and yeah, the, the, he also had two police officers on one hand as technical advisors. Uh, their names are Michael Patterson and Paul Lozado, the later from the San Francisco Police Department. Hawk, Washington, and other cast members also met with undercover police officers, local drug dealers, and gang members to help them understand their roles better.
3: Like, How does that go? You're a drug dealer, like getting to meet Denzel? Like, I mean...
2: Yeah, essentially. Like,
3: it's like... It'd be just- Kind of a cool little stat to throw in your hat. You you know you you're the local kingpin, skinny pin. Like yeah, I got lunch with Denzel today. You know that's just I don't know. I would like, curious. I like to be a fly on that wall. Denzel sitting down with what could be a known felon. You know. Yeah. <laughs> just true. get get together
2: for lunch at the fucking Brown Derby. How does that work? All right. Another new category for this episode. It's going to be called Music from the Motion Picture. Music from the Motion Picture. Talk about this soundtrack real quick. Uh, it was released on September 11, 2001. What a day to be released, huh? Um, it, it had a bunch of singles. Uh, number one uh, from Nelly was the lead single, and then Put It On Me from Dr. Dre, Jay Z. No, I'm sorry, not Jay-Z, Dr. Dr. Dre. I take it you weren't a big listener of the soundtrack. At this time, late uh, early alts, I was strictly into, you know, rock, punk, metal. No, none of this. This was this was, definitely I mean, I was not I a I lot
3: of I, I, I was listening to a little West Coast hip-hop back then. I mean, it, I was I was DJing a lot back then. So I didn't, I didn't really have a choice. I mean, I had to work some of that stuff into my sets, but I didn't mind it. I still think chronic is one of the, you know greatest albums ever released in the last 50 years um you know so yeah i mean i i I, I didn't i didn't buy the soundtrack out of my way to it but i mean i i recognized appreciated and 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 you know enjoyed the you know the songs like i said i mean it's pretty banging soundtrack
2: yeah i mean we got p diddy we got Mm -hmm. there's even because uh, he uses uh, David Bowie sample for uh, American Dream on there. So David Bowie got a credit. Cypress Hill's on here. We even hear um, rock, Rap Superstar in the scene where they go up Smiley's porch. Uh, Gangstar. I've seen Gangstar a lot before. Uh, Roscoe is on All the right. soundtrack. We also got, like I mentioned, The Locks, Seamer, Trick Daddy, Nelly, Dr. Dre, DJ Quick, uh, Exhibit, MOP, and then the soundtrack opens up with the "Keep Your Eyes Open" dialogue from the film.
3: Now, you know, no, 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 I'm glad you, I'm glad you added this because that actually brings me back to something I want to discuss. Yeah. Forgot to jot the notes now, but you kind of rang, you know, kind of rang a bell. Um, this film, to me, when I finally saw this, it it reminded me a lot of uh, Judgment Judgment Night. Where it's, you know, you're kind of going to parts of the city you shouldn't go. And there's people who shouldn't be in those parts of the city. And it was, that was another film. Obviously, this was, you know, a, a better made film by all means, but Judgment Night's a pretty cool flick too. Um, but that was one where the soundtrack. Kind of made it what it was like it became
2: well, they, you know, they, a
3: part they, of the
2: they mixed yeah, with know. that soundtrack that you're talking about, they mixed rap and rock together. And that that was, was that was the was first committed.
3: time you heard what we, 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 we used to call it back then was fusion music. Like, I remember buying the sound, I bought the soundtrack on cassette, I was working at Pizza Hut, one of my first jobs. I bought the Judgment Night soundtrack on cassette just because of the you know the artists involved, and then like. The following weekend, me and my buddy went to see it at Golden Ring. Um, so yeah, like this, like this. I don't know for whatever for whatever reason. I just feel like Judgment Night and Training Day can, you know, can kind of make a decent double feature because they are kind of like, you know, like I said, you're you're in parts of town where you really shouldn't be, and you're spending time with people who shouldn't be in those parts of town, trying to survive and get their ass
1: back home.
2: Right. You know. Oh, and then. You should also mention the Spawn soundtrack, which makes yeah. uh, rock and uh, DJ artists.
3: Yes. Yeah. That was, that that was, that was a combination of, of lock, uh, basically rock, and, rock and, and, and electro techno. Yeah. I actually went to a sneak preview of Spawn. Um, yeah. I saw um, a Spawn at North Point Theaters. I saw it at North Point, but I went, a buddy of mine one, one passes off, I think, like 98 Rock or whatever. So, And I remember there were new line representatives there, because like they had you know, a, little, uh, a little Q&A trivia-type thing before the movie started. And literally the first question they asked is, you know, what is the nickname of New Line Cinema and why? And I was like, and I just stood up and like, the house of Freddie ah, Bill. Bob built. Shane made millions of dollars for Lamar on Elm Street. And they're like, come <laughs> on down. They gave me like a fucking t-shirt, a baseball hat, you know, a copy of the soundtrack. I had all kinds of spawn merch from that sneak preview, man.
2: Alright, biggest takeaways.
5: Mr. Madison, what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul.
2: Man, this movie is gritty and real. Yeah. Denzel's best role, 100%. Hawk's best role after the Before Trilogy, but this is definitely Denzel's best, in my opinion. Maybe one role that he's done that's better than this. You oh, I mean, this
3: is, this, is, this is fucking memorable, man. I mean, when he, when he got together with Fuqua again for that, you know, Magnificent Seven uh, remake, you know, he kind of... You know, it's, it, wasn't, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Um, um, what I'm no, saying yeah. is, like, just the way he commands the screen. Um, yeah, like, I, one, of my, one, of, one of my takeaways, actually, the first one was, obviously, I was wrong. <laughs> um. But, yeah, I have a note where Denzel, I don't even know that Denzel was even aiming for an Oscar. I just think he just saw a lot, you know, he just, like, saw the meat in the character on the page and decided to eat it on screen, and he did it in such a way that, I mean, damn, he was just going to work. But he did it in such a way that that it stood out and here we are 20 years later, still talking about that performance. And it it won him a much well-deserved Oscar. But I don't know that like, you know, he started filming with like, this is going to be my Oscar role. I don't feel that coming through. I think he's just like there for the material with, with air and Fuqua and the rest, the rest of the cast and crew. And he just gave it his all because he believed in it so much. And, it, like like you were talking about, like the the improvisational moments on the screen, he's still developing characters as the cameras rolling. But he did—I'll be damned if he didn't create a memorable fucking character in Alonzo Harris, man. Ain't nobody gonna forget that guy. No, twenty years down, he's still pretty memorable to me. Yeah, and this and this was like you talked about the um, you know, it's it feels true and gritty and real. And this was the beginning of that. That's basically David Ayer. Yeah, and this is the I beginning agree. of, you know, the ayer if you will. I mean, that's
2: why I confused David Ayer for Antoine Fuqua at the beginning of the podcast. Because I forgot that Ayer didn't direct this. He actually just wrote it. So, Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the guy's just
3: own- like, hes just a white boy who's got his finger on the pulse of the streets of L.A., man. And he's, in, he's allowed places where, you know, people like you and I aren't going to be able to walk into, you know, Olympic hot. You know what I mean? But David Ayer gets a
2: pass. And my last two notes here are the soundtrack still holds up. Talked about that earlier. Yeah. And the cinematography is even better than I remember it being. A lot of cool shots in this movie I forgot about. There's even a shot yeah. that I missed when they first go to Eva Mendez's place, the the apartments. When they walk up the gates, go up the steps, there's an overhead shot that I fucking love as they're going, as they're going up the steps that pans over. It's, it's, it's yeah, a really cool shot. And, and it, it helps. It, it it almost
3: depicts that courtyard like a prison courtyard. You know what I mean. You kind right. of feel like they're trapped in there. One way in, one way out. They got their little makeshift gym in the main courtyard with just like a cheap little workout bench and shit. But you know, obviously, you, it, it, it you can feel that majority of your residents have been institutionalized, if you will. Yeah. How about you? What are your biggest takeaways? That's what I was just saying, man. Like, and number one, I was wrong. Um <laughs> my first, you know, hoo-ha when I first saw that trailer, like, fuck this movie, it's gonna shit the bed. Boy, yeah, did yeah, I have yeah, to yeah. eat my goddamn words? I had a big old shit sandwich to eat that summer, kids. Um, but yeah, it was it's Denzel just like firing on all cylinders, and I and I just don't I don't even feel like he was aiming for it. It just like he he just got it there on screen. And this is the beginning of, you know, what will become the as a David Ayer film. You know, harsh times is. It, it, I always keep going back to that, and it's that's that's a good companion to this one, you know, because there's you know similar actors and just settings and whatnot. But it's again, it's it's that gritty side of L.A. that that you don't get to see, but David Ayer is got. Has gotten car Blanche to paint the picture for you from both the streets and the studios.
2: Mulligan moment.
0: If you had to do it all over again, would you make the same choices?
2: Eighty-six, Dr. Dre from the film. He's not a good actor. He's not. Yeah, a no. Good actor no at at I,
3: all. I think I, I think I'm gonna I, I'm gonna agree with you. That's gonna be mine too. I mean, when after seeing Snoop, you know, in the in the wheelchair, we had, we we know Snoop. They're like. You know, as he's an actor, in yeah, I yeah, like yeah, he does. This. I mean, he's but he's, you know, he's kind of playing what he knows, but still, right?
2: Um, Dre, though, you know, that's it wasn't, too much of it a wasn't big part, right? It
3: was, it was, it was a bit of a stunt cast, in my opinion, oh, because yeah. you know, obviously, you heard him on the soundtrack. Boom! Then there's Snoop on the street, and then boom! Then there's Dre on the rooftop. So that I agree with you, man. Yeah. Dre's got no business being in front of the camera. I can't think of any other time he was outside of the movies he did with Snoop Dogg and Eminem. Like, what was it? The wash, you know, that stupid bullshit. Yeah. You know, Um, Snoop, you know, Snoop can do it. Dre, you can't Snoop can go (laughs) both sides. You should stick behind the mixer board and just keep cashing, Keep cashing them Steve jobs checks with, you know, with, uh,
2: Beats.
3: Yeah, yeah, for for your beats headphones, you know what I mean. Right. Um, yeah, you don't you don't you don't need to be in front of the camera. All right then. So, yeah, that's I, I'm a, I'm I'm fully in agreement with you because ever since the first time I saw it, I'm like, all right, it's cool, he's here, but then he's not, and I'm like, what purpose did that serve other than to just kind of tickle the audiences, right. you know, fuzzies? Right. You know what I mean?
2: Finger looking good.
5: It's finger licking good.
2: Uh, my favorite part of this movie is Roger's raid scene. I, I love Scott Glenn. Um, right. the, the whole interaction that happens after he gets blasted with uh, right. with um, Hawk and, and the other detectives, which we didn't really talk about Peter Bur- or Peter Green that much. Peter Green is like, he is such a character actor from the 90s. Um, yeah. He was a villain he was from The Mask, from Pulp Fiction. Judge Night, talked about. Judgment night, usual suspects. That's right. That's Under right. Siege. He wasn't. Yeah, that's right. I forgot he's in Judgment Night. Yeah, so there's my there's my little crossover. Under Siege 2, uh yeah. the Rich Man's Wife. Remember that one? And then I remember him in the late 90s. He was the villain, oh, right before this film, actually, in uh, Blue Streak with Martin Lawrence. He was in that. He's uh because it was the 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 Diamond Heist team in the beginning of uh that film with Martin Lawrence, uh Peter Green, and um Jonathan Hall and John Hawks. Uh, oh, Hawks was in that. Yeah, Hawks is in Blue Streak.
3: Yeah, I saw it once, man. I'm not a big Martin Lawrence fan. I'm just,
2: I am not I mean, either, I mean, but I do I mean, like. I Blue even
3: Shriek. looked at that new Bad Boys. You have had it on your room for a minute. I didn't even bother with it.
2: Oh, it's really good. I love really? the Bad Boys film. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Mm. check it out. Check it out, gang. Bad Boys for Life. Good shit. Um. So yeah, that's 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 my finger looking good moment. I just love the interaction and everything and how it goes. It's it it's it's a scene where you actually feel the tension. Um, you're kind of curious before he gets killed, but you're not really sure um, whether you know Roger's gonna die or not. And then obviously Alonzo does it, and then we get that whole aftermath afterwards with uh, uh, just Hoyt not wanting to be any part of it, but he is. He's in it whether he wants to be or not. So yeah. That's my favorite scene of the film, uh, for sure. Um, mine is
3: actually it's. I'm gonna I, I'm, I'm gonna give it one. I'm gonna give it a runner up too. Um, mine is is the kitchen scene with Jake and Spider. I mean, uh, Smiley and Sniper, okay. uh, and just like there's like the, the especially the first time I watched that, I didn't know. That he was going to make it out alive. I figured, okay, we're, we're, we're far enough along in this film. This you lead actor could, yeah, could very well bite the fucking dust, usurp mm-hmm. audience's expectations, but you don't know where to go. Like the, you feel the tension building. You almost kind of realize it mm-hmm. in real time with mm-hmm. Jake, you know, your first viewing. So mm-hmm. it's just, it's just like the tension the you know, the performances and the, and, and just the way it's directed. The tension builds to to a palpable moment, and then following up on that um, is Alonzo's final scene in the streets down there at the jungle when he delivers that fucking monologue, and you know he still thinks he's you know top of the heap even though he's a bloody fucking wrecked up mess. Like, and I think I I did them both because it's neither scene has both characters in it. Which is why I separated them. Like like those those are two of my favorite moments of the film. Is the tension of is Jake gonna live or die? And then watching, you know, a lot like Denzel just he fucking eats that goddamn scene to, to bits, man. Oh, yeah. he, chews oh, it yeah. up. he chews it up and spits it out and leaves you wanting more, you know? So yeah, those are those are mine
2: right there. All right. right. Let's Wrap things up. And deliver our final thoughts on the movie.
0: I say we uh, tie a bow on it and put her to bed.
2: Honestly, I don't know what more I can say um, mm-hmm. about this movie. I mean, it starts with the, the, the acting and the, the, the filmmaking itself is just ace. Mm-hmm. I, I, Denzel definitely earned his award for this movie. Kind of bummed out that Hulk didn't get one. Uh, because he's just as good, in my opinion, in this movie. Um, yeah. he's all in all. You got a lot of great character actors that pop up. I mean, even Macy Gray does a good job. You know, for people are used to acting.
3: Yeah, I'm a lot better than Dr. Dre.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Gotcha. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, from the soundtrack to the style, you know, I mentioned earlier the uh the orange color palette that he that uh, decided to use for the movie to give you that. La heat wave feeling. Yes, sort of. it's
3: like yes, it's it's like the color of the sweaty streets of La,
2: man. Exactly. Um, it's so real and gritty, and there's. I'm going to wrap this up with just saying one thing. There's not a reason for you to not like this movie. I know, just, man. Honestly,
3: okay. I mean, it's it's just a it's it's a very well done film. And it's, and I was thinking too, I mean, 20 years ago is, you know, it was a film to get nominated, but it wasn't, I mean, obviously, you know, it it got nominated, but it wasn't like Academy bait. Like this wasn't the type of, of story being told that, that they were handing out awards for. This was some grown up, uncomfortable shit that, you know, not everybody can sit through, but yet here they are giving it accolades. So there's something to be said about that. Like you said, I mean, Ayer was the the only author from you know Inception to Screen, which is practically fucking unheard of, mm-hmm. you know. And it's what kicked the door down, you know, kick the door down. This guy got a career out, of, you know? And he, you know, he's he's basically like like you know, Terry Gilliam, Tim Burton, Stanley Kubrick, they all have like the Palma, they all have like their, their, their signature. Flourishes and Ayer now gets to join that that crew, if you will. He's got his signature flourishes that were that were established in this film, and or or I should say, like created in this film and then established throughout his career, which Mm -hmm. you know you can see in in the other work that
2: he did. All right then. This episode is sponsored by Han Dynasty Chinese Takeout. <laughs> Whenever you need to serve papers for a warrant or need something to resemble a parking ticket so that you don't get towed, Nuhan's menus are always here for your convenience. And if you're hungry after a long day of corruption, Try the wonton soup and some of the delicious Kung Pao chicken that's <laughs> New Han Dynasty open Christmas Day. All that being said, this film definitely gives that film effects seal of approval, and that will bring things home for this edition of the show one down many more to follow if you guys enjoyed this episode and want to continue to support the show then please do so by leaving a five-star rating and positive review on apple Podcasts or wherever accessible it helps with the algorithm and helps us grow so more and more can enjoy the show and while you're at it check out our website at podpage.com where you'll find our ever-growing collection of previous episodes and pick up some merch from tpublic.com slash user slash film effect podcast you'll find shirts mugs Cases, bags, covers—so much stuff on there. Next up, we got Last Action Hero next week with our boy Justin back for another round of film Effect madness. This is a—it's funny because this is an episode that we've been pushing and pushing since what, like last May or so. Like it's Mm -hmm. on the schedule, and then it got bumped for another episode, and then it got bumped again, and finally we're doing it. We didn't get bumped because we don't love it. I mean, I'm not sure where you stand on this. I fucking adore this movie. I can't wait to talk about it with you guys next week. Um, I know Justin's a big fan. This is one that he actually reached out to me and was like, hey, let me get in on that Last Action Hero episode. So that's why he's doing it with us. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on it, sir. So next week, that'll be us, Justin, Ed, John talking Last Action Hero from 1993, director John McTiernan, Starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and a whole variety of different actors. Um,
3: (laughs) Unlike those other movies that star like one dude and everybody else is a bunch of cardboard cutouts.
2: Exactly. exactly.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Or that movie that starred with Charlie Hunnam where everybody's nothing but fucking cardboard cutouts.
2: Yeah, I think they made like eight eight seasons of that show, wasn't it?
3: You know how how I feel about that guy, man. Fuck that dude. Fuck that dude. No Uh, talent-ass clown.
2: So uh yeah, that's all of that and uh Yeah. Ain't much, Sean, ain't much yeah, ain't much more we can say about this. No, we got it, we got it. So thank you guys for listening. Uh Sean, why don't you do the thing? Take us out of here if you are little bit.
3: <laughs> <laughs> all righty guys. So until next time, and I will see y'all again when those theater lights go dim. and the opening credits begin to roll.
2: I have been Ed. That has been Sean. It has been fun, but now it is done. Till next week, gang. See ya. Bye, Felicia. Check you later. I hate you. <laughs>